We haven't done this alone in a while. Yeah, I don't even know how to talk to you anymore. Do we do we know how to do that? Like, is there still a friendship, or is there just what we have on air? Uh, well, Tyler, uh, it's me, your favorite friend, (laughs) (laughs) Brian from Family Guy. (laughs) That's what that was. That was Brian from Family Guy. Oh, God. Uh, the only one I can do is Stewie. Uh, hey, Lois. <laughs> <laughs> I hate family. B- blast! <laughs> Vile woman. Uh, curses. <laughs> uh, giggity. Uh, who's oh. your favorite family guy? Oh, prob- I- probably that dang chicken. Oh, man. what What's what's he doing? What's that? He was always getting into fights with that Peter Griffin. The family guy? He's been <laughs> called that, yeah. No, we haven't done is that more. show even on still. Is yes, still of course guy? it is. Like, people, people still like Family Guy. It's got Family Guy. It's got American Dad. It's got the Cleveland Show. Here's the. It's real- got Seth MacFarlane's Vanity Space Show. Here's the real question: Can I go to say like a diner, put a quarter in machine, and pull out a Family Guy sticker? Yeah, <laughs> it's everywhere. See, yeah, you forget that we are so insulated with our niche weird tastes mm-hmm. that we do not understand what mainstream comedy is like. And I'll tell you, it's Family Guy, it's Archer, to an extent, it's even Bob's Burgers. Are you in the wall or in my horse poster? Please say horse poster. I'm a horse. <laughs> Are you in another dimension? Do you see a lion or a witch or a wardrobe? Bob's Burgers is the new Family Guy. Just throwing that one out there. Ooh, hot take. Yeah, and like, it's funny now, but you know what? In five years, you're all going to fucking hate it. You're all going to watch Bob's Burgers and like, what what were we thinking? Or even deny that you liked it. Oh, I like doing Capoeira. That was an episode I saw. I haven't seen very much of it. I mean, I like H. John Benjamin. I can't get mad at that. I mean, yeah, he's he's funny, but he gets pigeonholed in these voice acting roles when really he looks like a little weirdo freak. Do you remember John Benjamin Gets a Van? Yeah, that show rocked. That show was good. Yeah, that was, yeah. That was early Nathan for you. That was like the, because they all worked on it together. God. I miss Nathan for you. I miss, I miss like Comedy Central, like sketch comedy shows. I have been watching Review. Yeah? Yeah, it's very good. It, it holds up. It holds up really well. Uh, so yeah, we haven't, we haven't done one of these alone in a while. Yeah. So- and, and we're not going to because our guest is about to get here. Oh, shit. Well, let's review our experience doing this alone. Five stars. Five stars? It's it's as good as eating 30 pancakes. I would say it's about as good as eating five pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> they can't tell you their names. They can't tell you where they live. But in the mid to late 90s, these five teenagers can turn into animals to fight an invading army of evil brain slugs. Five dumb teens are the only thing standing in the way of complete annihilation. This is Anamorphic Time. With Nate and Tyler. Get your hand off my girlfriend, you yerk-brained bastard! <laughs> this is for Daddy. Uh, make it like half the bottle. Catherine Alice Applegate wouldn't want this. Doesn't want this. Blah, 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 blah. And like they're they're like no, stop <laughs> shooting at children. Oh man, being twelve was weird. We did it. We have kind of figured out a system. Uh, 60 to 70 hours into this. No, no like, it, listen, if you have a system, you, you have a job, baby. No, I, I don't do this for a job. This is not my job. What is this, then? Uh, this is a living. <laughs> oh, you're making money off of this? I mean, wait, you're not making money? Uh, hello, <laughs> Copyright Office of America, Tyler calling. 
hello, <laughs> Copyright <laughs> Office of America. How's this, it going? This is going to be one of our all-time bits. Here we go. Yeah. It's a me, a Mr. Copyright. Uh, are your friends are no good. He's stealing the from the Animorphs. It's all Italian from here on out. Here we go again. Uh, so welcome to Animorphing Time with yeah. Nate and Tyler. Is that a question? Is, is that are we not named that anymore? I guess not. I mean, aren't we? Sorry, I'm fiddling with knobs. I love yeah, knobs. Yeah, you are. Look at them over there fiddling knobs. Listen, uh, audience, it's call just... you Tevya with the way you're fiddling over there. Yeah. Uh, do you love me? <laughs> <laughs> do I love you? No, don't. don't what? Don't. You don't want to sing? Fiddle? Fine. No, I don't. I do not. Yeah, 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 whatever. Uh, Animal over time. Yeah, Nate, uh, Nate, Tyler. That's Nate. I'm Tyler. Let's let's do a voice check. So, okay. Nate, say something only Nate would say, because people can't tell us apart. They can't tell our voices apart. Okay. The only thing I would say is... Um... <laughs> That's very Nate of you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Welcome back, Travis. Hello. Oh, yeah. You can hear Travis <laughs> coming down the pipe, as it were. Yeah. Did I pick up? Oh, well. Oh, yeah, we got it. Oh, okay, yeah, we cool. got it loud and clear. I love it. First time returning guest. Am I the yeah, first you're to the... come back? You're yeah. the first. Oh, nice. Nobody else wants to come back for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Everyone oh, else shit. said no. Well. That's not true. Some people want to come back, but we won't let them. <laughs> you yeah. know why we're not going to let them? Because the next book is called The Reunion, and we're not doing that book. <laughs> yeah, we're skipping it. <laughs> <laughs> what? Can't be no, serious. We, okay. we would not. We would dare not. Travis, how the hell are you? I am mixed. You know, good stuff, bad stuff. You're looking mighty spelt. I noticed that you were in that, that tank top. Yeah, yeah that, it's it take, it, fucking hot. It takes courage to wear a tank top. Courage I do not have. I yeah. literally just bought this today. I needed a new uh, set of headphones for the piece because... I only have Bluetooth ones, and that was going to be weird to work with. And so I was at Target, and I saw this Pride tank top, and I was like, fuck yeah. That looks fucking fantastic. Yeah, you know know what they say? Uh, Tank tops are temporary, but um, hot bods are forever. That's where you're going with that? (laughs) I don't don't know where I'm going with it. I don't know know how to be funny anymore, okay? Okay? Okay. I don't know. Please, you don't have you don't have to yell at me, okay? I'm tired of like, fucking goofing around. I know we this do is, we do bits on here, but please don't fucking yell at me anymore, okay? I, I just want to be fucking serious for once. Yeah, and you're doing a great fucking job killing the comedy of this comedy podcast. No, we're not. We're no more jokes in this one, oh. Travis. Sorry, this is the episode with no jokes. We're going okay. serious. I'm down. If you make a joke, I'm cutting you off. <laughs> I mean, I'm this is a very feet. serious book. I mean, we got brain surgery, we got betrayal, we got. <laughs> Multiple ticking time bombs, or yeah, Cassie. Cassie does not want jokes. Marco keeps on trying to make jokes. She's not about it. Does not work. Does not work. That's right, listeners. For for the first time of all time, serious animorphin time. We are covering book number twenty nine. So we're just gonna have a Visor Three's theme song playing in the background the entire time. We'll do the Richard Cheese one. No, oh God. no, don't, don't, Please don't call don't. my show. No, no, we're we're gonna we're gonna play a bunch of songs from the Eels. What? I love the Eels, man. I, I know nothing about the Eels. They rock, dude. Yeah, you've never listened to the Eels. I've eaten an eel. 
It's mm-hmm. like listening to the eels. No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> eels. Check them out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but y- you know what, Tyler? You mentioned eels. That is not what's on the cover of this book. Nope. The Sickness. Nope. Number 29. Yep. Tagline, Cassie is about to make a change for the better. She is not. <laughs> Absolutely is not. What do you mean? Okay. What do you think this title means? She's making a change for the better. Well, I mean, that's the tagline, not the title. See, I'm just well, going to correct you on every little thing. Okay. Yeah. No, th- th- you're right because there are no jokes here anymore. I'm leaning into Animorphs fandom and I'm going to connect. I'm, I'm going to correct everything that's wrong. Yes, I just transposed the word connect and correct. Yeah. That's my first correction. You know, that's not funny either. So I'm, I'm on board with it. Serious cast. <laughs> uh, since Travis is our first returning guest, we don't have to get into the bullshit about why he likes Animorphs. We fucking know that. Go listen to episode whatever. Here, I'll put it in episode. No, don't. Don't. Don't put it in. What? Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to know where, know where Travis is from, start from the beginning. Who am I? This is nobody's first episode. Are you kidding me? That might be someone's first episode. What's wrong with you? <laughs> if this is your first episode, let us know. And uh, let us know how we can help you. We'll send you yeah. a prize. Don't, don't make promises for us. <laughs> Why not? Stop me. Yeah, it's true. I can't well, joke. Listen. I'm very serious about this. There will be a prize. Oh, God damn and it. And a time promise. We, it's from a, official God, he host, got me. Travis. Son of a bitch. Yeah, there'll be a prize. If it's your first episode, send me DM. I'll send you a prize. I mean, good luck God proving me. it, but whatever. Stop it! <laughs> You're helping them. No, like, hold on, wait. Because then the real cost is their soul if they lie about it. Oh, yeah, oh, you'll go shit. to hell if yeah. you lie. Yeah, see? Yeah. I forgot about eternal damnation. Yeah, see, we're not religious. Travis, are you religious? Did you go no. to a church? I no. went to a church for a while. I even went to a Christian school for a couple of years, but that's largely why I'm not religious. <laughs> yeah, but you know who's going to hell. Like, I have no clue. Oh, I mean... I know a few people who deserve to, but, you know, that's a different story. Oh, no. Well, la-dee-da, Mr. Fancy Pants. Um, So, yeah, speaking of fancy pants, uh, Cassie does not uh, have them. She she is nothing fancy about Cassie. No. And nothing fancy about Cassie turning into what appears to be a yerk on the cover. Yep, that's it. Now, this is the first visual representation of what the hell a yerk looks like, by the way. Yeah, this is the first one. What do you think of it, Nate? I do not like it. Here's the thing. I like the transformation and uh, Mr. David Lanley, sir, patron saint of Animorphs. Yeah, uh, you're, you're, he really you're, is. you're perfect. Don't change. Um, I don't like how big they are on this cover. Mm. I think that they should be smaller. Or maybe like flatter. I was kind of picturing more of like a tapeworm sort of a situation. What makes you, know, you like, uh, get any sense of scale of this at all? The covers are well. Aside, I mean, like I think it's just the cover being the same size as Cassie. Oh, it kind of warps it a little bit. But I mean, you're right. Like that's not their scale, right? Um, how, how big are they? Are they like what um, a mouse? Would you say like I picture mouse? more like a slug, like an actual slug, like an actual okay. Well. I can buy- they have to be big enough to like climb up somebody and into an ear. Preview right? to uh, animal facts later. Slugs have a pretty surprising range of sizes. There was one point though where uh, they talk about the size when uh, you know jumping ahead pretty far, but we see a yerk coming out of a year uh, of an ear. And I'm pretty sure that there's a comment on it. I don't know if we want to. Oh yeah, there is. It's like it's like two inches long. They're big. Yeah, two. Yeah, two inches or something. Yeah, like a dollar. It's like a nice dollar bill length size slug. I see that. You know. Either way, 
beautiful well not beautiful it's it's repulsive looking and i think that's what they were going for and green sludgy i would also do without the fins I kind of like mm, the fins. Yeah. The fins, the antennas are fine because they got to look around and be a slug. I like the warts. The warts on them look fucking. Oh yeah, no, the, the, the warts and the color, good stuff, good shit. Oh god. I also like the tiny little cage that yeah. they have built for after. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just have like a fucking like crab pot. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, like yeah, so it's good stuff. Good inside cover. Um, have seen worse. Nate, what were you expecting with this book? I was not expecting an actual sickness. <laughs> I wasn't expecting like a disease ravaging the animorphs. Yeah, it's so weird to read a book where everybody's getting sick and dying around you, huh? Yeah, it's kind of whew. like yeah. one in six has it like serious complications <laughs> and needs hospitalization. Yeah, um, one just doesn't feel it at all for whatever reason. <laughs> like we'd say, one might say a- asymptomatic, right? Yeah. You don't know you have it. You could be spreading it. Yeah. Which, by the way, this town better watch the fuck out. <laughs> Never quite, never quite. Under, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't. We well, don't, no, we, it's, it's, I, I can explain it. Axe is the only one spreading it. Like, it's not, <laughs> yeah, they, they're pick not. the foreigner. Yeah. It's the one who did it. It's Axe. They, they cooked up some caffet wing soup in, in yeah, the Wuhan a, providence of the Andalite <laughs> homeworld. It, it's, it's a, what is it? The Andalite variant, you know, <laughs> it's a bit stronger than the British one, but you know, it's, it's weaker than the natural, natural, what is it? Lamput? <laughs> yeah. The Yamput. Sorry. The Yamput disease. So that is the sickness that we are going to get to, but we're not there first. Cause I think we're, it's time to talk about teenage love drama. Teen girl oh, squad. Jesus. So, listen, we picked the right guest to tell us about teenage girls. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What? Excuse what me. Up? No, like, okay. So maybe we are not the best representatives of what it's like to be an embarrassed teenage girl in junior high. But but we are two white men who know everything. It, yeah, it's very true. Uh, <laughs> uh. No, I mean, whatever. Like, it doesn't I, matter. It, uh, you know, honestly, I bet you it is just universal. We all have felt the embarrassment of liking someone in junior high. Not me. I'm perfect. You've never liked anybody in junior high. You never had a crush I had so on many, anybody in junior high. So many. And they were so weird. And right. I, and like, did somebody like be a dick and like point it out? Yes. You. Did they really? <laughs> yeah, I think so. What was it? I, d- I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Last time I talked about something similar, some people in real life that I know gave me shit, and I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> All right, fine. <laughs> uh, well, so I okay. Let's let's just get into it. Let's just get into chapter one. Let's talk about this young, blooming teenage love. Uh, chapter one, lunchtime, baby. Um, well, actually, no, not quite lunchtime because we need to talk about how Cassie thinks she is not nice. Yeah, yeah Cassie thinks she's kind of a monster. Yeah, she she. What she says is that she knows that people describe her as being nice, mm-hmm. but she does not feel nice. Right. Which I get that. I've had people yeah. describe me, and I'm like, that is not accurate to how I feel. Yeah, for sure. When people tell me that I'm caring and, you know, nice and loving, I don't buy that for a second. Exactly. But you also know you can't trust yourself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Right? And yes. I, I think like that's an important thing to learn as an adult is that you are not the best judge judger. Judger. Judgy? No judger. That's I, the right word. Okay, cool. I would you know, if if it were me, I'd say judge. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you the scientific right. term is judgesist. 
But yeah, judge assist. Well, yeah, because he got both a PhD you, as a judge assist. I would say both of you are very good judges. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like what I was saying, like the thing that you learn as an adult is that you're not the best judge of yourself. Sometimes. I mean, yeah, if you're a fucked up adult who was a fucked up kid, yeah, you're a bad judge of yourself. Some people out there, very boring people with excellent working brains, they know themselves. And guess what? We don't like them. Yeah, that's true. We don't like people with normal brains. They're yeah. boring. They suck. But no, like here's here's a cool fun brain hack for you, Tyler. You <laughs> did, want a brain you, hack? Yeah, you cut into you cut into it. Just, no, no, we do that later. <laughs> but right now, oh yeah, <laughs> the, the brain hack I propose for you is oh boy. Only, like if somebody says something nice about you, you believe it because you're a bad judge of your own character. If somebody says something bad about you, you don't believe it because you're a perfect judge of human character. <laughs> Travis, do you have any brain hacks for me? <laughs> I want to get brain better. Uh, my favorite trick, honestly, is uh, to imagine your favorite... You made, Imagine yourself as a superhero, right? Pretend that you have whatever characteristics and superpowers you want, and then ask your superhero version of yourself what you should do and how you should be living. That's not a bad one. Brain hack. <laughs> hack your brain. You know what I do? What? I masturbate. Ooh, that, does that make you feel good? Yeah, self-soothing really helps. Never got over that. Do you ever <laughs> masturbate to the thought of yourself as a superhero? Ooh. I <laughs> oh. I... What's, what's the weirdest thing you guys have masturbated to? Um, hmm. Let me, let me think about this. I mean, if we're going full middle school teenage... Uh... The idea of soap. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not lying because this is the serious episode. No, I, I'm not joking. <laughs> okay, explain. How do it, you... It's slippery, and that feels good. <laughs> it also burns. Listen, I didn't have a lot of options in junior high. Me neither, <laughs> but I learned when I jerked off with bar soap on my hands that hurt my fucking pecker. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> <laughs> But you were like fucking dry jacket in the bedroom. Like, man, I wish there were soap here right now. Is that what's going on? I, yeah, I think that's kind of where it ended up was just like, oh, this is slippery. I mean, <laughs> but it feels good. Like, whatever. Like, if we're talking about it, let's talk about it. My entire life, I've been a dry jacker. I don't spit on it. I don't use lotion. I don't use lube. I just go on natural. Power to you. That's a uh, skill. <laughs> that, that sounds like you're a goddamn monster. Well, I mean, fine, fine. We'll get into it. When I first learned to pleasure myself, the okay. first way I did it was by turning the cold water off of my shower and burning my penis because it felt good. Yeah. No, like, honestly. How deep in this shit do you want to go? No, why? Like, why? No, because the thing is, I think a lot of people don't realize how cruel and unrelenting like junior high boys are to their penis. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they are not kind. They're not gentle. They beat the shit out of it. Is, I have done war crimes to my poorly shapen middle school age genitals. No right. good. My body cannot handle that anymore. Too broken and dead. <laughs> yeah, now no. let's talk about this teenage girl in love. Now let's talk about teen girl crushes. <laughs> oh, so, teen girl crushes. Uh, <laughs> To step a little bit back, my question is, do you think that Cassie's actually wrong when she, we were saying that she's not the best judge of herself, but, like, is she... I mean, is she what nice? Is nice? Yeah, like, 
I would say she is very nice. Yeah, I, she, I would think that she's the nicest person in this series so far. Yeah. Like, as far as someone can be described as nice, right? Fair, like, okay, but then I guess my question is, what is the depth of being nice, right? Like, it's kind of going back to that cliche. It's like, oh, it's the quiet ones you have to watch out for, right? Like, is she... I would say, I would say Cassie is not quiet, though. I think that when there's something that she believes in, and you know, like, like if she so see if she sees something that goes against her moral character, she says something. Like she does not stay quiet on that shit, right? Like it's the quiet ones that never participate in anything ever are the ones that are the problem, right? They just they don't contribute the, their voices. The silent they, majority, yeah. I'm worried about the silent majority. <laughs> Holy shit! Uh, Cassie catches a lot of shit in this series. And I'm I'm not talking so much about the fans. I'm talking more about how Marco, Marco addresses her. Yeah. Marco's like, "Oh, Cassie has missed peace and love until something crawls up her ass, and then she becomes violent, just like the rest of us evil pigs." And my thought is, that's not her being a hypocrite. That's her putting her life on the line for her beliefs. Yeah, which. That's the farthest thing from being a hypocrite and a coward. Right. Yeah, it's emotionally and ethically hazy, sure. But to call her a hypocrite or a coward, I mean, Cassie she's, fucking rules. She's consistent. <laughs> so, but you know what? Who is not nice nor neat? Allison and Brittany. Allison and Brittany. Those Fuck Allison bitches. and Brittany. Fuck these goddamn bitches. Yeah, you heard me. We're doing Animorphin Time misogyny for teen girls. That's right. Let's get them. You know what? They deserve it. <laughs> Allison right. and Brittany have started to move in on Jake. Yeah. The um, Jake. Which shows two things. One, Cassie and Jake's relationship. Not really anybody knows about it. Two, they have bad taste. They're going after Jake because he's tall. Yeah. You know, and he's a little bit more confident now that he's made murders. Yeah, now yeah. That he's a dead-eyed psycho who's killed. That definitely he's, stood he's, out. The fact that they said that he has recently gotten hunkier and more attractive, and like right. the idea that this war, war is actually makes you attractive. making him sexier yep. somehow. Yeah, yeah. Kind of but isn't that kind of true though? Like, I mean, like you know, hey, uh, I think I might be more attracted to somebody who's come back from war just a little bit. You know, really. Uh, Not me. They're probably poor. Ugh, keep away. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter because, you know, Brittany and Allison, they know what they want and they want Jake. They want him bad. You know who does not want that to happen? Rachel. Yep. Fucking Rachel. Rachel always. She's <sighs> she's trying to be nice in her way. Rachel's always kind of a spurious little bitch to Cassie in these books. She knows better than Cassie and she's going to like, you know, protect Cassie. Come on, that's no. No, I was being facetious. That's not true at all. Like that Good. I was I was I was about to start a fight. But that's what that's what Rachel believes though. Rachel believes that she knows better than Cassie in areas of fashion in areas of romance. And and let's also be honest, this is exactly what happens in fucking middle school. I remember my middle school girlfriend. Hey, Jill. Hope life's good. <laughs> <laughs> and I broke up with her, mm -hmm. and she was best friends with Krista. Okay. And then I started going out in quotes with Krista, as okay. you do in fucking seventh grade. Sure. And we'd go over to Krista's house, hang out, hold hands. But then Jill would be like, no, like you need to stay away from Tyler. It's like... Oh, yeah, girls protect each other like this. They protect their girls and their relationships. I was a victim of it. I let Krista put makeup on me. I loved it. 
So do you feel closer to Jake now? No. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, doesn't matter because... Uh, Girls uh, protect girls. Right. And Rachel's stepping in uh, and she says the the following. Uh, Hey, Allison. Hey, listen up. Uh Uh-uh. Don't even think about it. Jake's with Cassie. Which, you know, saucy. It feels a bit too saucy for Rachel, actually. I feel like <sighs> Rachel would be more blunt about it. Just like, back the fuck up. I sh- mm. But then again, you know, hey, uh, get, I've never I've never been in this position. Right. That's when Rachel dog walks Cassie over to Jake's table. And he's like, listen here, you dumb motherfucker, cousin of mine. You're going to the dance with Cassie. And Jake's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah dance. Cool. Why didn't Jake ask? Why didn't you ask somebody uh, that you were expecting to go I was, ask for I was a afraid. dance? I was afraid. Rejection. Right. I'm still afraid of rejection. Yeah. You know, like, fuck, I don't know how to I'm dance. I'm in love with, like, eight people right now, and I'm afraid of all of them. Oh. Would you ask any one of them to a dance? <laughs> if we could have dances. So, Travis, have you ever asked anyone to a dance? Oh, God. Yeah, but it was not pretty. Uh, <laughs> I think the first time was, like, fifth grade. There. Oh, God, this is really specific but here we go so here we go it. i love it i talk about burning my penis in the shower <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm not uh hesitating just bear with me so we had these like bins of books under the collective tables and so my friends and i had found a way of like passing notes by putting little scraps of paper in the books. hell yeah and then, like, leaving it there and then grabbing it again, right? Um, and <laughs> like a dead drop, but for kids. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I didn't do, like, the literal check yes or no, but it was effectively, like, the will you go to the dance with me. Because um, that's smooth, right? Like, leaving a little note, like, would you go to the dance with me? That's actually kind of, like, if, if an adult did that to me, I'd be, like, touched. <laughs> I'd Ew. be like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. The smoothest thing I've ever done in any relationship was the first time I asked somebody out in sixth grade. I left chocolates in their desk. Oh, you peaked in sixth grade. Huh? I think so. Yeah, I think that was that was the, the peak. I left like some nice chocolates and like, hey, you want to go to the dance to me with me? Uh, and yeah, that was smooth as fuck. Um, Jake did not do that. He was in fact forced by his cousin. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know, uh, the, it, Jake takes the L, and they're all going into the dance, the big Woo! dance. Um, yeah, Marco, you can go with Rachel, I guess. Nah, Rachel's like, oh, I guess when pigs fly or whatever. Yeah, Rachel, not yeah. happening there. Not happening. Uh, Tobias is coming, so that'll be cool. Yeah. Uh, normal face Tobias. Right. Very normal face Tobias. Just a normal boy <laughs> who acts normally now. Uh, and acts. And why acts. Why? I mean, like, you know, might as well bring Jake's acts. like, yeah, we don't have an adventure plan. This is like an off week. Let's do a bottle episode. I mean, honestly, I would bring Axe to a dance. He seems like it would be a lovely person to have at a dance. Yeah, certainly not a wild card at all. <laughs> what it could is, possibly go wrong? This, I mean, yeah. this does feel like the most they've really leaned into the teenage drama side of the whole story, right? Yeah, like, we've never had like a Britney and a, and a Allison for a while. When was the last one? Was Megamorphs, wasn't it? It's been a while since we've done, like, true teen shenanigans. Yeah. Like, you had a TT coming in, but that oh, was, yeah, T-T. like, uh, titty. only a brief little, I guess these two were only a little brief thing, but the, the whole actually going to the dance and everything, and that whole chapter felt 
not out of place, but it definitely stood out amongst the whole series, right? Like, it was a very... Uh, it felt a lot more like the TV show than yeah, the and, books, if that makes sense. But that's okay, though, because they're at the dance, and I think it's a nice contrast for the rest of the book. Let's have a good time at the dance. Uh, Tyler, have a good time. Drink the punch. Yeah. Uh, have, uh, why don't you go uh, dance? Nope, not at this dance. Why not? Well... It's kind of like a typical middle school dance. Everybody's standing around, making eye contact, but not a whole lot of dancing. It's fucking, like, that's accurate. That yeah, just like good. Yeah. eyeballs. Eyeballs staring at everyone. And Allison is on the prowl. She's not going to get Jake. She's not going to get Tobias. She's not going to get Tobias. Which, by the way, Tobias has a great line here. He says, hey, the chicks go wild for the feathers, baby. <laughs> Which, you know, good, good job, good job, Tobias, really feeling himself. And Axe is uncomfortable because Allison wants his body. And yeah. He does not understand what that means. And uh, Tobias really kind of testing it with R- Rachel, right? And she does kind of playfully banter back, but uh, it did, did feel kind of a little bit toxic for him to be kind of like seeing where the boundaries of that were, right? I mean, their love life is fighting with each other. Exactly. Yeah. True. It's it's a really a, 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 a Alan Peggy situation. Uh, no, Tobias. Oh, why did I make Rachel? <laughs> why did I make Rachel Al Bundy? Oh, because she is. <laughs> Tobias, let's have sex. Uh, no, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, you got to treat it like that, where they're just like they're they're, they're antagon- uh, ant- antagonistic. They love each other, but the way that they love each other is by fucking punching each other in the face. Ooh, I, had, I love it. I've had one of those. That's right. Chicks go wild for the feathers, baby. Oh. Uh, but also, he's saying this without any smile or emotion on his face. Because he's dead. They go out of their way to say Tobias doesn't know how to work his face. So it goes like this. I looked at Allison. Marco was right. She was staring at Axe. I guess she figured if she couldn't have Jake, she'd go for the cute new boy. Not that Tobias isn't cute. And he might as well be a new boy. He went to our school for a while, back when he was human. Back before he was trapped in his red-tailed hawk morph. Now no one seemed to recognize him. But then... He's totally different from the kid bullies used to pick on. He doesn't project those I'm helpless so come terrorize me vibes at all anymore. Partly that comes from living a life where even the good times are dangerous. Partly it's that he's sort of forgotten how to express emotions with his face. Smiling when he's happy just isn't natural to him anymore because hawks don't smile. Now when people look at Tobias they notice the strangeness of his blank face. Not the face itself. Even when he laughs he doesn't really smile. That is... I want you to try laughing without smiling. <laughs> nope, you still smiled. Uh-huh. Here we go. What? Okay, here we go. Watch this. Ha 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 ha. It's kind of terrifying, uh, right? It's uh, yeah. It's like horrifying. you would see that shit in a horror movie. Like somebody not smiling and laughing. It's like they're only opening their mouth. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it's doing. Um. So yeah. Uh, poor Tobias. Uh. But no, that's not because he's dead inside. It's because he's a bird. Right. And. Really, this scene's about Axe. Someone trying to get at our Axe man. She's starting to make her move on Axe. Who's she? Allison. Fuck Allison. Fuck Allison. Allison, that body is not for you. Right. <laughs> and Axe, Axe, showing some bodily autonomy, says, I would like to shuffle my artificial who's the music with you, but you cannot have my body. My bod. D. My body. And that I'm like, hell yeah. yeah. Good, good job, Axe. Lay down the boundaries. You want to dance, but don't test my body. I mean, like we're making a tongue-in-cheek kind of reference, but this is framework for teaching kids how to lay out boundaries with their body, which is what they need. Sure. 
I mean, it's like I, I think you're giving it way too much credit, <laughs> but like it's subtle. Oh, yeah. It's very subtle, but yes. I'm trying to. I just want to talk about a book with my friends. No, I get you. <laughs> body, body. You cannot have my body. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, Allison, you slut. Just Allison kidding. backed away. Just no, she's not a slut. She's horny. I get uh, it. You know what? I think I hear my friend calling for me. Uh, because she only wants the body D. She only wants the body D. Ooh, so Axe it just scares off Allison by being a weirdo freak who won't have sex. Yeah. So uh, Cassie, they do the junior high shuffle dance, which we all know what that da- we know what that dance is. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Girls' hands on my shoulders, my hands way above their thighs because <laughs> I was scared, but not too high, not close to the boobs. I hit the hip when I was at the Damn, age. You went I, for I went it. to the hip. Hell yeah. But that, I was like right above the love handles. Yeah. Shout outs to Dixie. First date dance. There we go. Yeah. Uh, Maxine. Yeah, Hope Maxine. Yeah. I, I, I definitely remember mine. You really don't? Come on. You remember. <sighs> it was probably Jill. <laughs> oh, Jill. Anyways. <laughs> oh, Jillian. Doesn't matter. You want me to dox her? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Does she want you to dox her? She works at a fucking Costco. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> She's like Eric King. Uh. Um. But yeah, no, uh, Jake and Cassie, they do the shuffle dance. Um, and then all of a sudden, Axe is acting kind of funny. His head is sort of bouncing, like a knob in his head is bouncing. Yeah. Like, like they're listening to some EDM and his, like, it's a knob on his head bouncing with it. Yeah. And that's when this story starts to skyrocket. I, I, yeah. yeah. So, okay. So while I was reading this, I'm like, something's happening to Axe. He's acting kind of goofy. He's mm-hmm. giggly. Right? He's swaying back and forth happily. Uh-huh. When you sway back and forth happily, what do you what do you think of? Uh that scene in Mario Brothers with the elevators and all yes. the toads. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 sorry. <laughs> I know where you're trying to lead me, but that's just where my brain went. Yeah, no, hey, that yep. I, it seems like Axe is on drugs or <laughs> drunk. He drank some punch. He's boozed up. And here's what I was thinking at this point when I was reading this book. Axe has found his ginger uh, maple oatmeal. Mm-hmm. Like he found his drug. It's somewhere like, you know, it's like a lemon bar or like the punch or something. Or like, what is it? Alien Nation? It's like a rotten milk. Yeah, it's rotten milk. <laughs> like something is making Axe drunk. And I'm like, hell yeah, Axe, get blasted. <laughs> Make this a party. Oh, um, but no. No. Well, nope. Yeah. So something's up, right? So. Uh, Cassie takes control of the scene a little bit. Um, she's like, okay, listen, we need to get Axe out of here. And um, Vice Principal Chapman and Mr. Tidwell are guarding the doors. Yeah, Axe is starting to demorph. They're hiding him. He can't control it. So wh- what do you do? How do you get Axe out of here? You, there's a window in the bathroom, in the girl's bathroom. We got to drag Axe to that girl's bathroom, get him out the window. Which is what Allison was trying to do. Exactly. Because... <laughs> They start dragging him into the bathroom, and he screams, She wants my body! <laughs> dee, dee, dee! As, like, Axe is screaming in terror, being dragged into the girls' bathroom by Rachel and Cassie. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love it. all the people in the know know that there's no teachers guarding the girls' locker room, <laughs> but there is people guarding the boys' locker room. Yep, you could you could go be a nasty little freak in the girls' locker room, as Axe almost was. Yeah, and uh, well, that that stopped though because Allison 
wasn't having it. Mm-mm. She was about to go tell Vice Principal Chapman that somebody was dragging that that innocent young lad <laughs> into the bathroom. <laughs> and it's not her, so she's jealous. She's going to tell teacher. Um, yeah, so Mr. Tidwell uh, grabs Ack and pulls him aside. He's like, uh, yeah, you've obviously been drinking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and he's like, I'll, I, listen, I know this boy. I'll call his parents. Yeah, we have his medicine. It's for epilepsy, narcolepsy, some kind of epsy. We, he's he's gonna be fine. We just need to get him home. Mr. Tidwell's not buying it, but he's kind of like, all right, listen, let's just pull, let's go to the hallway. Let's sort this out. Right. Uh, Chapman, you know, he he buys their excuse of like some sort of epicy. Yeah. <laughs> he needs pills. <laughs> Which same. Yeah. Get some good pills. Um. So, listeners, if you have any pills, I'm gonna give the Animorphin Time PO box right now. One eight hundred pill box. It's PO box six nine four two zero. Portland, Oregon. Send us your drugs. <laughs> Whoever calls Unlabeled, in please. and says that this is their first episode will win the stash of all the pills. <laughs> yeah, we'll give you the drugs. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. We'll give you a pile of drugs. <laughs> uh, please don't label the drugs. Yeah. And don't try anything funny like blood pressure medicine. <laughs> I don't want to control that. I My- mean, I will take a Flintstone chewable vitamin. Those are pretty good. Those are delicious. I want Hell a Flintstone yeah. chewable morphine. <laughs> Not like Tidbull's like, what the fuck's going on? They're hiding axe behind him. Tibble buys the excuse and is about to let them go. Right? He's like, all right, fine, just get him out of here, take him home. Mm-hmm. And then he turns around and Axe's tail demorphs right into Mr. Tidwell's brain. Yeah. Knocks <laughs> him flat on his ass. <laughs> Knocked out. So uh, and- was I the only one thinking Chi here? <laughs> I mean, it could be, but it's something much worse, dear listener. Mr. Tidwell's a controller. Oh, shit. Mr. Tidwell, no. We just met you. (laughs) Mr. Tidwell pulls Cassie aside. Cassie's like, sorry, we don't know what happened. And Mr. Tidwell goes, look, I know he's an Andalite. Shut your stupid fucking mouth. He doesn't say that. He says, I know your friend is an Andalite. My mouth went dry. My throat, too just became a total desert. I wanted to tell Mr. Tidwell that I had no idea what he was talking about, but I couldn't get a word out. I also know who you are and what you are. All of you. So, shit. Cat's it, out of the bag. For, not just for Andalite Bandit, but like they know that you know teenage teenagers are Andalite Bandits now. Yeah, he's, he might as well be saying, I know you're the Animorphs. I know that's what you call yourselves. <laughs> but he doesn't. Um, in, instead, what he says, I am Ilum. I control Mr. Tidwell. We are both part of the Yerk Peace Movement. We have a message for you from Aftran 942. Aftran 942. Uh, who's who's that? Yeah, Travis, who's Aftran 942 or whatever? Aftran 942 is <laughs> uh, kind of a baller in the sense that she's the key to starting a different option for how to solve the the war. She's the first Yerk to create a truce with a human, and the I don't know if she's the founder of the uh, Yerk peace movement, but she's definitely a, a key member of it. And we first met her on your last episode uh, yeah. when she in- infested a little girl and Cassie. So we've got Yerkson Mandela. Yeah, Nelson Yerkdella. I was gonna. Which, yeah, which one's better? Um, Aftran Ben Yerksel. 
<laughs> Listen, you, you wanted to do it. I just took it to his natural conclusion. Uh, Aftron Luther Yerk Jr. Yeah. Uh, kind of a dick in the beginning. Has yeah. come around, uh, you know, after Cassie essentially, you know. Once um, Cassie killed herself. Yeah, yeah, Cassie had to kill herself uh, at least once to convince Aftran. So I don't know what Aftran was doing to start this whole peace movement. But uh, has been busy. Has been recruiting others and um, has also been busy um, being captured. <laughs> yeah. Ilum lays out that Visser 3 has imprisoned Aftran and that they're going to torture Aftran and basically destroy the Yurk peace movement, find out who the Animorphs are, Kill everything, end all these books at book 29. Yeah, because uh, we know Visitor 3, he gets information out of people via torture. That's what he's good at. And it historically has worked. Just if you want to know, look up America torture history on Google. <laughs> yeah, they hey, always torture. tell the truth. Uh, here's the thing. if you People who are tortured always tell the truth. They're mm-hmm. not just looking to have torture stop. Right. right? They always tell the truth. They also um, deserve it. Yep. Number two, they always deserve it. They're the bad guys. That's right. And number three, it's not so bad. No. It's not so bad morally to torture. No. Yeah. If it's for the right reasons, you can do whatever you want. What I'm saying is, Visser 3 might be Obama. <laughs> <laughs> we did a whole lot of things that were right, but we tortured some folks. Oh, uh, we tortured some Yerks. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh, Obama. So, what do you think uh, Aftran's been up to? That's my question. Has she just been like swimming around in the pool, doing? Yeah, like yeah. what they're doing is they're passing messages through the books. They like write down little notes in like the <laughs> Yerk books. Yeah, it's like, hey, They've... have you heard of the peace movement? Come join us. <laughs> no, I mean, like, if she has refused to take uh, any more unwilling hosts ever again, then. What is she doing? Just like chilling in the pool all the time, and people are. I mean, I guess that could be how she got caught, right? Like, why haven't you left the pool for weeks? I, I imagine. I imagine that there's probably like a Yerk Central Square where, like, you know, uh, Yerk Aftran has kind of stood up and said, "Hey, listen, uh, we can do this differently." Yeah, here Yerk, here Yerk. I <laughs> <laughs> come bearing a new way. Either way, who cares? Yeah, Visser Three's on to them, and which it, so this is bad news for the Animorphs specifically because they gotta save Aftran. Yeah, <laughs> like they can't just let Aftran take one for the team on this because she knows all of their secrets. <laughs> Luckily, Visser uh, Three is busy at a reinduction seminar, whatever the fuck that means. Yeah. I've I've been to a couple of those. You, you get a muffin and then <laughs> yeah, you yeah. get reinduced. It's fine. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So, so that's bad news, but we have an more immediate problem. Axe is drunk. <laughs> yeah, and Cassie won't tell them what <laughs> Ilum said. Yeah. She's like, no, Axe is in trouble. Let's go home. Let's go home. Um, yeah, and well, here's the thing is that they keep on pushing like Cassie to like, hey, tell us what happened. What did Mr. Tidwell say? What's going on? Why did he let us go? Um, but Tobias is actually the one that steps up and says, no, Axe is actually very sick right now. Yeah, this isn't just a funny goof drunk situation. Like Axe is kind of in a bad way. Let's get him home. Um, so they do that. They they, they, they take him home. They take him home. They go to the barn. They they go to the barn. Um, and they start figuring out what's up with Axe. And Axe is cohesive now, but he's still a little bit funky. Mm-hmm. And he says that he has disease. <laughs> what, what, what's the disease? What's the name of this thing? The Yamfit disease. Uh, good old Yamfit. There's a problem with his tria gland. Oh, shit. What's wrong with it? He's got brain appendicitis, basically. Yeah. yeah? 
He's got appendicitis in his brain. Y- y'all have your appendix still? No. You visited me in the hospital. You know I don't have an appendix. <laughs> you know. Why would you ask? You know. Just say, Tyler, tell us about the time you lost your appendix. I, f- I forgot. I forgot the time that it happened. What? Because it's in the hospital for days. I had an infection afterwards. This isn't a joke, by the way, listeners. I was actually no really sad. No, because this is the serious episode. I forgot. I forgot that it happened because it is a very minor surgery. <laughs> Not when you have to stay in the hospital for a week afterwards because they fucked it up. It's fine. The minor surgery. I mean, like, it, it's, it's supposed to be. It's routine. Travis, do you have your appendix? I do. Yeah, I still have mine. It feels good in there. Fuck both of you. You yeah. know what? It's wiggling around. It feels good. I'm very mad. <laughs> This well, is I mean, part of my liver. I guess it grew back, but I got it taken out. But that's a different story. <laughs> yeah, your appendix doesn't grow back. Nope. It, yours it can. Got, it can. Oh, really? Yeah, if they don't get it all, it can grow back and rupture again. Oh, fun. <laughs> they told me they got all of mine. You know how I know? How? Because they let it rupture us in the <laughs> hospital. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, if that happened to Axe, though, he'd be dead. Yes. Uh, yeah. Like That's th- what he goes on to explain, that if his trea gland bursts, he's dead. That's bad news. Uh, also, his uh, his tree gland is not in his butt, unlike the appendix. The appendix is not in my butt. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the butt area. No. It's butt adjacent. But ad- so anything in the trunk of the body is butt adjacent? <laughs> yeah. Man, my lungs are butt adjacent. Dep- the bottom parts, yeah. The top parts are in your chest. Those are not butt adjacent. Jesus. So the diaphragm's butt adjacent? Yeah, I'd say so. You could use your diaphragm to push your butt out. No. <laughs> <laughs> What it must be like for you to think of how the body works. You just have a weak diaphragm. Let me guess. You think the crab cycle is just a bunch of crabs running through your blood giving you energy? So the tree gland is full of all the sorts of bacteria. And uh, if it explodes, axe is dead. Yep. Super dead. We got a dead axe on our hands. And the only way to get rid of a tree gland is with a knife. (laughs) There's no sci-fi way to get rid of this fucking thing. It needs to be taken out manually. Yeah, you gotta cut it the fuck out. You gotta cut it out. On the dome ships, they do not have a medicine machine that cuts it out. They use a knife. I don't know how they use it with their tiny hands, but they do it. They use their tails, duh. Oh, yeah, shit, that's probably... That's probably idiot, you fucking idiot. That's probably how long have you been that. reading these fucking books? You don't figure that fucking yeah, they, shit they out. They do have a knife tail. Well, I mean, how um, long have ex- we been reading these books and they've been telling us that as long as it's not genetic, then morphing and morphing back should make it fine, right? Like Not with not with tria disease. That's, that shit stays no, in you. When you've got yamfit, your ass is yam-fucked. That's right. It it affects the morphing power. You know what? It probably comes in and out through uh, Z-Space, I bet. Oh, it's a Z-Space disease. It's a Z-Space disease. Oh, shit. Z-Space. Nope. I mean, it does seem to only affect the people who can morph, right? Like, it doesn't affect the rest of the families or anyone else in the school. It's not like there's a plague of this unknown uh, fever that's running through the school. Listen, you forgot the rules of Animorphs. If there's something you don't understand, it is either A, an Elemist, or B, Z-Space. That's right. Okay. Oh, shit. So guess what it is this time? disease. Yeah, maybe it's crack disease. You don't know. It's it's funny that the first time Axe goes to a dance, he gets drunk and gives everyone herpes. <laughs> you know what? Good on Axe. He but he did it well. I mean, you get it done in one, baby. Um. Okay. So yeah. Uh. They're all very nervous about it, and they're like, "Hey, listen. Uh, let's just let Axe sleep. Okay, Axe, just go to sleep. We're gonna go have a conversation away from you. Don't worry." <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't know if you've done that to anybody in a hospital. Like, hey, yeah, let's you talk- have. You did it to me. <laughs> well, but Tyler, you as a as an actual nurse, yeah, who has had to have a hard conversation. I bet. Uh huh. 
you leave the room <laughs> because you don't want, say, a patient to hear the oh shit. <laughs> yeah, you don't want them or the family to hear oh shit. <laughs> oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. <laughs> Which happens a lot. Yeah, and the whole gang is now feeling the oh shit, what do we do about brain surgery? And just a here's a, here's a brain hack for you. Okay, brain hack. If you ever hear a nurse say, oh yeah, I see this all the time, they're lying. <laughs> Oh, God. And yeah, yeah. If they saw it all the time, they wouldn't say that. If a nurse tells you I've seen worse, it's pretty bad. Oh, God. Brain hack. You're welcome, <laughs> you cowards. <laughs> now you know the real truth. Yeah, you, I'll tell you the truth about being a nurse. We hate you. I, I, listen, I've seen nurse TikTok. I know that you hate me. No, I don't give me start on nurse TikTok. Those are the worst fucking people on the fucking planet. I hate them. Like... Most nurses and healthcare people hate their patients. I am unique in that I hate my coworkers more. <laughs> oh. So, much like Cassie, you hate the other animorphs more than you hate animals. Yeah. Or patients in this yeah. case. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the Cassie. I'm, I walk around like I'm kind of the Cassie of this hospital. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, they all kind of look at Cassie for this question. Like, a little bit, right? Because they know that she kind of is the medicine lady. They're like, yeah, you're, me- you're medicine lady. Um, well, I mean, she's the one that probably has seen the most brains out yep. of out of this entire group because they, the the Animorphs HQ is a vet. They do medical shit there, right? They have all the equipment to say maybe do a minor surgery, right? Yeah. So um, they bless Axe's baby bones and they talk about it. <laughs> it's kind of cool great, great seeing line. Cassie take command like that, you know? Like Jake is obviously the leader when it comes to more tactical battle stuff, but. In this moment, she really does kind of take command of the whole group. You know, she's telling everyone what they need to do and like where they need to go. Uh, well, here's their first response. Okay, so we kidnap a doctor and we get him to do surgery on Axe. <laughs> yeah, that's Rachel. Um, honestly, not a bad plan. <laughs> um, maybe the one I would have voted for. Kidnap a doctor. Do yeah. I know a doctor we can kidnap? Many. Okay, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Um, I know where they park. I know where some live. <laughs> they vote that down for some reason because they don't want to kidnap. I don't get it, but you know. Um, and also, like, so they, they kind of diverge from the axe problem to the doctor, uh, doctor, Mr. Tidwell problem, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, so we have this other thing. Cassie kind of spills the beans about what yeah, they were talking about. She, she goes to Robert Pattinson in the lighthouse and spills the beans. And like they're like, why'd you spill the beans to Mr. Tidwell? Why does he know that we're Animorphs? Right. And Cassie's like, well, my buddy has been stirring some shit. Uh, many are upset by this to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> like, m- mainly Rachel and um and Marco are upset with Cassie. They were upset in in the Butterfly book when this question was posed, and they're upset now that they're right. dealing with the consequences of it. Cassie, on the other hand, is happy. She says. I risked all those lives on a pathetic little wish. A wish that together, Aftran and I could make the first step towards peace between Yurks and humans. My wish came true. Aftran didn't turn me over to Mr. Three. She didn't use the information she found stored in my brain against me and the others. Instead, she chose to live without a host, blind and almost immobile. My choice turned out to be the right one. Rachel snaps back. <laughs> she like you know there's some dialogue after that and and but like rachel says this it's probably a trap but we still have to go because if tidwell or ilum or whoever is telling the truth we're all dead meat after will crack when viscer interrogates her and we know everything 
And she knows everything about us. Everything. Right, Cassie? She said acidly, looking angrily at me. Rachel's pissed. Rachel's pissed. But, like, no matter what, they still have to do... They have to deal with the consequences. They have to say it after. The decision was already made by Cassie Unirattily. 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 That's right. Unirattily. 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 But, like, so so no matter what, their mission is set. Right now, it is not save Axe. No. Because they have to deal with Tidwell. Or they have to deal with Aftran specifically. Yes. They need to take a trip down to Susan's house. Uh, yeah. How, uh, that, that's an eel song. <laughs> what? Because <laughs> they're going eel mode, baby. Eel mode, baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, because why eels? They're on the hunt for some fresh blood. Uh, like, the, why eel specifically? Why do they want Well, eels? they're my beloved monster. I can't. I can't. You, you're going to put all these songs in this. I'm not. They're just all going to be fucking the Cure songs. Rags that, that, to rags. Man, I don't know what... <laughs> fine no their plan skipping over the part where they're going to eric and having him come in and help project the the hologram eh, they bring in eric to yeah he just shows up honestly like every time there's a thing that just needs to have a hologram you bet your ass that mr eric king's gonna be there eric king shows up he does a hologram and he's like yeah i'm pretty cool i used to build pyramids what did you say i have to do oh this is easy i did i'm one of the, I did like that. Uh, yeah, basically he comes in and he's able to help them on that. But he and the entire rest of the Chi group—I don't know how many there are—but like they are decidedly useless. It's like, oh yeah, we built the uh, pyramids, we helped Beethoven write all these symphonies, we did all this shit. But oh, like something actually useful, like learning medicine. In the last 10,000, he's like, sorry, yeah. yeah, we only had like this one guy do it like 1,500 years ago. Is it like considered violence? What the fuck? Like, <laughs> uh, you guys are looking at it in the exact wrong way. If you're a dog robot, what do you want to learn? Medicine or be really good at chasing the ball? Oh, shit. It's chasing the ball. They it's don't chasing have the ball. Yeah, because they're a peace loving species and they don't have time to worry about sad things. Nobody gets sick when you're a chi. That's right. Nobody needs surgery when you're a chi. Yeah, they can. They can make the most beautiful, delicious cake, uh, but they cannot, in fact, crack a skull open and take out a tumor. No. I mean, honestly, they can because oftentimes medicine is violent and you're making a choice to end lives. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, that's probably a better excuse. It's like later in this book when all the characters are sick, it's like, yeah, when Katrina happened, uh, people in medicine invented a way to... Say, oh, these people are going to die. We're not going to treat them. Yeah. Oh, this person's probably going to die. We'll give you a morphine. Well, but he, here's my favorite thing to really drive this home, how violent medicine can be. Uh, Tyler, yeah. um, I'm going to do CPR on you. Um, how hard do I need to push in your sternum? You have to push in at least two and a half uh, uh, inches. You have to basically break all the ribs. I have to push in two and a half inches into your body. Into my sternum, yes. In order to hit your heart. Nate, ask me how many people leave the hospital alive after receiving CPR. Uh, Tyler, how many people leave the hospital alive when receiving CPR? 8%. That's not bad. 8%. It's higher than zero. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Hey. It sure is. Yeah. You know what? You got to look on that side. Otherwise, you know. You ask any healthcare worker who works in acute medicine if they ever want CPR, they're going to say no. Oh, yeah. By the way, if this is any sort of record, DNR, DNR, DNR. (laughs) I, uh, if this is a record, uh, the only life-saving efforts I want is a kiss on the penis from Nate. 
do I do I have to? <laughs> it's my living will. <laughs> but so I don't have to kiss your penis. Uh, that Only depends. if it's life saving. Do you want to save my life or not, <laughs> Tyler? It's a. I've built pyramids. Nay, I'm having. I have created symphonies. I'm not kissing your little penis. Nay, I'm having crushing chest pain. Will you kiss my penis <laughs> to see if it goes away? <laughs> um. So yeah, they bring in Eric, but their plan is. I guess we got to get to the Yerk Pool. We can't go in through McDonald's. They'll blow us up. We can't do it as a mole because they figured that out. Let's go as eels through the water pipes. But yeah, it's a Yerk Pool. They need pool. Because like, obviously they're yeah. flushing that Yerk Pool like once right. a week. They got to scrub that thing out. They know it runs in water. So like, yeah, we'll just go as eels. Yeah. Like it's part of the plumbing, which honestly, yeah, it's a good plan. But here's my problem with it. Um, they're turning into an eel, which is a kind of fish, right? Yeah. And as a fish, they're going down a tube <laughs> in the hopes that they'll just hit the Yerk pool, considering that th- how many like connections are there in like a modern plumbing system for a city? A lot. Okay, cool. So fish tube two, electric boogaloo. <laughs> Hopefully we don't end up in a fucking tank. <laughs> so yeah, guess what happens? <laughs> it's fish tube time, baby. It's fish tube two. Okay, but not as a fish, though. Two fish, two tube. Two eel, two tube. Because <laughs> oh, they're an eel. Like, I guess they're not. Are eels fish? Uh, I mean, depends on what you consider a fish. Um, A wiggly sea me- uh, per- thing. <laughs> I thought you were going to say wiggly semen. It's going to giggle. <laughs> I mean, yeah, kind of. Like, you know, if I look at your face and I think fish. <laughs> Much like pornography, I'll know how fish when I see it. <laughs> uh, and you are like, I think it eels a fish. Uh, no, they're playing as fish tube too. Yeah, they're gonna go. Tobias is gonna catch them an eel. Okay, they're gonna acquire the eel. Yep, they're gonna go up to a water tower. So they're, they they're getting start, in the water tower. So they start at the very tippy top, and they're able to swim their way down. Oh. <sighs> And what, um, do you, what do you guys know about eels? Well, I know about those three songs that you mentioned. That <laughs> I, I I've definitely recognize more them. Than three. I, I have not recognized more than three. <laughs> nope. Well, I'm gonna make you a prize fighter in eels now. Okay. Um, unagi is the sushi term for eel. It is. We're doing. We're just gonna do a quick little baby eel facts. Either of you know how e- eels mate? Um, with their genitals. Do they hmm. do a big like? Not a cluster like snakes. So here's the thing. Nobody really knows for sure. <laughs> what? Okay. In 2015, they thought they figured it out. So <laughs> where where do where do you, let's say where where do you think eels mate? I thought you were gonna ask where do babies come from? Because I feel <laughs> like we gotta establish the basis. No, no, no. In like, the water. Okay, so in the water. So fun eel fact. Yeah. All eels mate in one part of the ocean. Every eel, the Sargasso Sea. The Sargasso Sea. Okay, so if I went to Sargasso Sea and I'm like, I want to go to an eel orgy, I would just have to dive right down and see it. You won't see it. Why not? It's not really been witnessed. I could be the first one. Oh, sure. So get me in one of those like weird like uh, um, diving bells and I'll so, go down and see it. So when eels were first studied in the 1800s, they couldn't figure out the sexes of the eels. They would cut them up and like, there's no dick, there's no balls, there's no pussy. I mean, it might be very small. No. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, uh, I'm just going to give you this. Okay. So eels can live between six years to 80 years. Okay. And the only time they mate 
is in the last year of their life. How do they know when they're going to die? There's the question. Some eels of the same species will go to the Sargasso Sea after six years. Some go after 80 years. Tyler, when are you going to go to the Sargasso Sea? When are you? Well, given my height, my weight, and my health, probably in the next 35 years. By the way, I'm going to mention any time like, we talk about death, I'm going to say going to the Sargasso Sea, because that sounds really cool. Yeah, so, so they have a Dr. Zoidberg, where they just feel the compulsion to go back to their home planet and then mate in a big orgy and then die. Uh, maybe, probably, who knows? It's get James Cameron on that shit. Send them down there. They they have tracked a few. That's how they know that they all go there, but they don't know what makes them go there or what they do. They don't know. They uh, don't know. Here's here's my. And they fi- don't develop their sexual characteristics until the last year of their life, and they go to mate. Here's my theory. I think that scientists are actually very stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I think our understanding of animals is not as strong, or animal nature is not as strong as we think it is. Like, uh, because I, it, this seems like a mouse bur- born out of straw situation, where like uh, I feel that we are like scientists, marine biologists are missing something. Yeah, right. And eels are the key. I don't know what it is, but it's eels. No, no, it's a cuttlefish. <laughs> no, absolutely not. It is definitely the cuttlefish. Listen, the, cuttle, the cuttlefish, the cuttlefish trying to go to that. The cuttlefish try to go to that eel orgy and is immediately booted out. Sorry, we're not here for this vanilla cuddle bullshit. Yeah, we don't do that shit. Not o- at, only, not at eel fest. No, we're making a soup. <laughs> you are not invited. <laughs> but it's I listener. I implore you just to look into some of this eel history. It's fascinating. It's horrifying. It's weird. Excellent. As for me, I'm gonna let the mystery be. Um. So, uh, they do not, in fact, go to the Sargasso Sea here. No, in animals. <laughs> Uh, instead, they, they just kind of go down the pipe, but um, they, they have to remember a series of turns in order to get to the Yerk Pool. Which Jake, the leader, has memorized. Yeah, they we- all, they're all trying, but like, whatever, I get it. I'm bad at directions. I couldn't yeah. remember left, left, right, left, up, down. Up, up, BA. down, down, left, right, BA, <laughs> start, yeah, select. See? Exactly. They don't remember that. No, they don't, they don't know. IDDQD, that's God Mode and Doom. Yeah, nice one. Video game reference. Up L1, <laughs> triangle right, uh, sweet tooth, and twist of metal two. <laughs> sweet tooth. L A R A to save. Um, um, oh shit, the scientist girl in Chrono Trigger. What's her? What's I her remember. Name? Doesn't matter. Video games are stupid. <laughs> yeah, if you play video <laughs> games, if you play video games, you're a fucking nerd. Uh, yeah, these kids don't play video games because they would have memorized which turns to make. Um, and Jake almost goes down the wrong tube. Well, he does, and Cassie bites his tail and then she's about to get dragged down the tube because like there's pressure behind these pipes yeah there's just no there's no controlling it right so then cassie gets her ass bit by tobias yeah tobias's ass gets bit by rachel and they make this like giant eel chain to like pull jake back out of it yeah they pull him back the proper way and jake's not well no he's like oh guys i fucked up and it, well like he's trying to hide it still he's like no we're fine we're fine we're we're fine um and oh. like yeah like he's burping oh. yeah he's really he's really roughing it up mm. um and cassie's like oh wait he was looking a bit pale before we started the mission his his, his head bit, was in his hands he was a bit woozy he's he w- never like that oh shit he's sick that that motherfucker did not call in sick yeah Listeners, if you're sick, call in sick. Yeah. Like if you're, yeah. Who who cares if your boss is gonna get mad at you? 
like call in sick. Or if it's only your boss working, show up for an hour and then leave. Yeah, get your <laughs> boss sick. Um, no, don't do that. They'll make you work. Yeah, they'll just make you work because they don't care. They don't care. Yeah. Anyone above you, they don't care about you. Yeah. Treat them like shit. They've earned it. Yeah, they don't care if you're sick or not. So just take care of yourself. Call in sick. Yeah, if the person above you has health insurance and you don't, fucking slash your tires. Pour sugar in the gas tank. Yeah, call in sick. You put mustard on their paint job, it rots off. If you dry it. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah that, fine. bologna. Yeah. So, so yeah, the, so they're, they're in this tube. Jake should have called in sick. He did not, so now they need to abort Abort the mission. We need to get Jake out of here. Um, how do we do that? Uh, I'm lost. Help Help Tobias, the only smart one. We just let it take us wherever it wants. <laughs> <laughs> just go with the flow is Tobias' attitude, and that's it's the right answer because is, they want to go to the place. There is a quick moment before that where Rachel specifically says, I'm taking charge here, and I only want to take the effort to go out of the way to call it out because... It is kind of a recurring theme throughout the book of, like, one by one, uh, as people get knocked off, other people are like, all right, I'm in charge now, right? Like, Marco later specifically yeah. makes a point of saying it, and then Tobias doesn't say it explicitly, but I don't remember exactly what it was, but there's something that kind of, like, alludes to that, and then it's like, uh, at the very end, it's like, Cassie says something along the lines of, like, I'm in charge now. I'm in charge of the group of one of me by myself. I mean, that is kind of the pecking order, isn't it? For leadership, it's it's Jake, it's Rachel, it's Marco, it's then finally Tobias. Or Axe. Or Axe. Uh, and then Cassie. And which... I think that's what this book is kind of challenging, though, right? Like, that's why I think it's important to stop and acknowledge that this is where that theme really starts to become explicit, is because... Like I was saying before, uh, even before anyone besides Axe had been taken out, Cassie was already really kind of taking charge back in the uh, in the barn, right? Like telling people what they needed to do in order to help Axe. Like she has it in her, and it's just that everyone kind of speaks over her, so she never has to be that. I think that this is like the, the best kind of leadership is the one that gets passed back and forth given any situation. Like if there's somebody that knows more about a given field, they have the leader hat now. Sorry. Right. And like Jake does not do that a lot. I think. No, almost never. Almost never. Um, but then again, Cassie never volunteers for it usually. But in this case, she does. Yeah. And, and the, she does it naturally because the, she just she she knows that when there's a medical emergency, you step in. Right. This like. This book is a reminder and maybe even the first statement that Cassie is not to be fucked with. Yeah. The last couple books we've had, what has Cassie done? She gets shot and lays down in all of them. Yeah. She, uh, surprise. She's not the fighter. She's yeah, not she, like, she, well, she's not the fighter in the physical punch you in the face sense. Yeah. She doesn't like doing that. This book is Cassie's thesis statement as to how she is effective, where she is strong, and how she gets her shit done. Because that's exactly what she does. And I think Travis made a good point that the pecking order being pecked down, mm -hmm. getting to the bottom bitch here. Well, it, and like, well, the thing is, it's established that way at the very beginning with Rachel. Right? When Rachel takes control over Cassie's life and says, hey, uh, you're going to the dance with Jake. 
because I know better. Yeah. Um, like that. That's another example of the pecking order of, you know, I outrank you and I'm doing this for you because you trust me. Right. OK, yeah. cool. I'm going to like yell your feelings for Jake across this <laughs> table. <laughs> and it's and like this is Cassie wrestling that back a little bit because there are times where like, you know, the leadership fellowship thing works. But if you know best, truly know best. And you're not just wanting to be in the spotlight for the sake of being in the spotlight. Take control, um, and and Cassie Cassie is having to do that, um, not by her choice, but by everyone getting sick. Yeah, we start with with uh, Jake. We start with Jake. This ends with them saying, "Oh yeah, we'll go with the flow. Just go with the flow, baby." And they just go with the flow until they plop out of a firefighter's hose into a burning building. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Which hilarious yeah i was thinking oh man i'm gonna love spending a couple chapters in this situation nope just it's a <laughs> funny sight gag yeah they get blasted into a burning house and they're like okay let's go <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they immediately morph back and then flatter there and it's like wasted well, no one would suspect birds of prey flying out of a burning <laughs> building yeah i guess it's it's funny it's funny it's I almost respect the Ghost Rider for the shitting all over this stupid thing. The eel plan. I love that. <laughs> How yeah, do you it's feel a dumb about plan. this Ghost Rider? I actually thought this was pretty well written well, overall. For I, I agree. Uh, it was ghost written by Melinda Metz. I did reach out and email her, but really? I never got a response. Oh, well, fair enough. Uh, do better, Melinda Metz. Melinda Metz, uh, you're on notice. It's on site with Animorphin Time. <laughs> Um, okay, so they, they, they make it back to Animorphs HQ. They send Jake home. He's like Ralphing his guts out. Uh, yeah, no, and Marco's loving it. Yeah, he's like, man, Ralphing, puking, upchucking. I mean, tossing I, your stomach. I didn't think but it was again, uh, loving. I took it as him, you know, just trying to be the one to take the pressure off. You know, like trying to make light of it so people aren't as down. It can be both. I, I think that Marco can both like make light of a situation for other people's benefit and also loving well, vomit and, and barf in it. And you can have some well, great terms. Like a personal favorite is Technicolor Yawn. That one's going in my new lexicon for sure. Technicolor Yawn's pretty good. Pretty, yeah. I mean, I see it like this. If Jake is the Forrest Gump, then Marco is the Bubba. So he's like, instead of naming off shrimp, he's like, he's up chucking, he's Technicolor Yawning. He's Ralphin. He's puking. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty good, Marco. <laughs> I did have kind of an unpleasant moment reading between the lines when Marco says that Jake only gets a four out of ten because the projectile quality is not good enough, which makes me imagine Jake just kind of like puking and just having it kind of like drool and kind of like dribble down his chin and chest. It's just a limp little fluid yeah, exactly. crawling out of him. It's kind of like a baby spit up of puke. I mean, Tyler, as somebody who has probably seen a lot of vomit, how far does the how far is the longest vomit? I've seen it go upwards of eight feet. Yeah? Yeah, like, you put like, let's say someone eats a bunch of stuff they shouldn't eat, so you put a bunch of charcoal down their throat. Okay. They start puking. Eight, eight feet, you say? Yeah. A full um shack? Yes, the the vomit shot one shack away. Wow, God, that's pretty need, long. We need to start using basketball players as units of measurement. I mean, all I know is shack. <laughs> well, I mean, what about uh, old uh, Muggsy Bogues? Oh, yeah, that's right. So he's, he's smaller. He's, he's like 5'5 he's like five, five or something. Yeah, he's like two-thirds of a shack. No, yeah, okay. Two-thirds of a shack, yeah. 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 
So he was two. Uh, so one half of a Muggsy Bogues. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, J- Jake. Jake's out. He's Jake, done. He's done. He, his, Exit his, stage Jake. Yeah. His insides are out with. Uh, well, I mean, only the. Well, the that's Marco. Who usually gets his insides out. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, yeah, he, he's uh, sent home for the day. Uh, for for the book, actually, I yeah, think for just, the book, he's just out. Um, next chapter, um, Cassie is scrubbing her hands with hot soap. Oh um, yeah, good girl, good right. bottle. He's at the crisis point. Noah Wiley told me while I approached the patient. Noah Wiley, come on, get your '90s reference right. Noah Wiley, he slapped a shiny scalpel in my hand. You're gonna be just fine, I told the patient. I trust you, Cassie. The patient answered. It was my dad laying underneath the green sheet. Um, shouldn't, shouldn't he be anesthetized? Uh, I stammered. Noah Wilde looked shocked. Not for the Yamfoot operation, you idiot doctor. You maroon, do you even know what's going on? Yeah, so she takes a deep breath, the disinfectant burning the inside of her nose. She places the blade on her dad's forehead. Tap, tap, tap. She looked up and saw Jake and Marco and Rachel, Tobias, behind the glass in the observation. They tapped on the glass and waved at me. I turned my attention back to my dad, but it wasn't dad on the table anymore. It was Axe. I didn't know where to make the incision. Was the tria gland in the front of the head? The back. Tap, tap, tap. Why were they tapping again? Didn't they know this was a delicate operation? I needed to concentrate. Tap, tap, tap. The sound finally jerked me awake. Cassie, you're going to be late for school. I don't know why uh, Cassie's mom sounds annoyed with her, but um, yeah, that was a dream. A pretty Uh, effective dream, too. Yeah. Um... Have you, like, do you remember the last stress stream you had? Yeah, I have a lot of them. I have since the pandemic started. <laughs> okay, but, like, ones that you remember. Yes. Go on. Um, so, I have had a lot of COVID stress streams, especially since I had COVID. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of the, I'll, I'll just do one of the worst ones. It was towards the beginning of the pandemic when we weren't seeing a lot of COVID. And I was in the room wearing my huge mask. And this patient was talking to me, and I couldn't understand what they were saying. They just kept talking to me, but I couldn't hear it. Mm-hmm. So I leaned in closer, and I leaned in closer, and they reached up with like these slimy fingers, pulled my mask off, and got all this slime on my face, and just started coughing slime on me. And I was like, that's when I woke up. All right. Uh, yeah. That That's very evocative <laughs> of what you were worried about. <laughs> yeah, and it happened. <laughs> you got slimed, baby. I, I got slimed. Uh, yeah, Cassie is having that dream. She's worried about something. Her brain is expressing it in a very almost direct way. Yes. And those are the worst stress dreams. Yeah. Um, because you know that you're going to have to deal with the reality of what that dream was about. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Uh, that and dr- guess what? Sometimes you watch enough people die certain ways. Those never go away in your dreams either. Yeah. You, you close your eyes and you can see them. They're staring back at you. I don't have these worries. <laughs> Yeah, my stress Thank you dreams, for laughing at my pain. My stress <laughs> dreams are my chinchillas escaping and I have to get them back in the cage. That's pretty stressful. That's about the same as mine, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, so Cassie's worried about the surgery. And she gets a call from Rachel saying that Rachel um, is throwing up. Well, she gets she calls Rachel's mm-hmm. house because she was worried because Rachel didn't show up for, for school. Right. Because she still has to go to school, 
you know, dealing with all this garbage. But right. she goes to school. She didn't. She doesn't see Rachel. She calls Rachel's house. Yeah, Rachel's Axe's temperature's still dropping. We should still mention that. Right, He's and still dr- sick. And dropping is bad, right? Yeah. Dropping is bad for Axe. Yeah, because once it hits uh, sixty-one miles per hour, you see some serious t- shit, and mm-hmm. that he dies. Yep. Um, and uh, so Cassie calls Rachel's mom's house. Uh, Rachel's house and. Rachel's mom says uh, she's throwing up. Yeah, she's been puking all night. She's been hurling. That's she got that the end of Rachel. Disease. <laughs> she's got it. She yeah, she's got it real bad. And um, so, who's left of the crew now? It's just uh, Tobias, Marco, Tobias, Marco, and Cassie, and Cassie, the Devil's threesome. And who else there is? Because Tobias is not emotionally available at this point. Right, he's at capacity. Um. <laughs> I hope that we can reconnect sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she talks to Marco because there's no one else to talk to. Um, and, you know, she has this conversation with Marco. Um, like, okay, we need to get this plan ready to go. And Marco, being Marco, points out all the things that can go wrong. Yeah. He's like, even if you succeed, you still have to kill Aftrin. Right. He says that. He's also like, hey, he gives a creepy nursery rhyme. He's like, uh, you, you know about the monkeys jumping on the bed, right, Cassie? One fell off and broke their head, right? Well, guess what? Another monkey also fell off, and another monkey's fallen off, and soon there'll be no more monkeys on the bed, Cassie. And I'm like, right, Marco, what are you doing? Uh, he's getting a fever and is about to get sick. I mean, yes, that is exactly actually what happens, is yeah. Marco also gets the, the, the fever... Um, but, like, also, don't frame it in a fucking creepy nursery rhyme, you asshole. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't know any other way. He's expressing his own worry, right? Like, he he is legitimately worried, and the way he does that is through pop culture references and, and weird allegories. And before we move on with the plot, we do need to talk about one thing. While at school, Cassie talked to Mr. Tidwell. Yeah. Ilum, the controller. Ilum. I wanted to bring this up because... We get a really touching and heartbreaking scene about Tidwell and Ilum, where Ilum lays out that Mr. Tidwell, his screaming in Ilum's head, and the awful things that Ilum felt while he infested and enslaved Mr. Tidwell, drove him to the Yurk Peace Movement. And Mr. Tidwell says he became a voluntary controller because... Ilum was his only friend. <laughs> yeah. Right. It, the like, worm in his brain <clears throat> filled the void that his dead wife left. Yeah. He says uh, that he's pretty he, good company. And it's actually an interesting little segue. I don't know if you guys saw the event that was hosted over Zoom a couple days ago. Um, the online taster of the sharing. Uh, oh, we did not. Oh, well... Uh, there was a interesting bit at the end with a guided meditation and it was genuinely a pretty cool little approach where they talk about this idea of like imagine this person who could be with you who like can see all your history and like can know you and who you can like uh, just kind of almost like what I was saying before right of the at the beginning of my idea of ask your super version of yourself what you should do and how you should be. Um, And yeah, just kind of framing this guided meditation as opening up to the idea of having that 
other little accompanying voice with you all the time. And yeah, I got to say they did a good job of presenting um, an idea of how you might imagine somebody genuinely coming to this group and hearing it framed that way. And yeah, you know, the slug might be freaky and scary, but uh, the idea has a genuine appeal to it. I mean, you look at Mr. Tidwell, he says, My wife died a few years ago. For a long time, I didn't care about anything. I stumbled through life, getting myself to school, getting home again. When Ilum gave me my freedom back, I realized I wanted to do something with it. So I decided to join the fight. What could be more important? And Ilum and I, we've become friends. He's actually very good company. I mean, if you're alone and you're a loner and you don't have anyone, it's going to be alluring to have someone with you all the time. And also... I can't imagine a more intimate relationship than somebody that can read my mind. Right. 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 Like he doesn't have to like have that, like getting to know you period with the brain slug because the brain slug already knows you pretty damn well. Yeah. And you know, the brain slug, I yeah. guess like, because it's a two way street, isn't it? Well, it can be if the brain slug allows yeah. it. Well, I imagine that, that comes out I imagine later. It, yeah, I bet. Ilum's probably. probably shared. Yeah, it'll... and that's that's when Cassie comes up with her plan. And that's kind of cool to... too, right? Like, sorry to cut you off before we move off the subject, but I think this is this is the reason that I really wanted to do this book is because I think that the whole subplot of you know coming back to this one for the subplot of the New York Peace Movement, I think there's something genuinely like really ethically uh, fascinating around the idea of ethical yurking, right? Like having another person around all the time especially like an alien that has seen the universe and can tell you all sorts of like cool stuff about science and like shit that you've never conceived of before like if that was consensual I can see people genuinely being on board for that that sounds kind of awesome if you frame it the right way no, it, it seems very spiritual almost. Like, oh, I found God. He's a yeah. slug inside my brain. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, see, I would like the more practical aspect of it. Of Like, you know what? Uh, there are parts of my day where I just really care what my body does. Uh, go nuts. <laughs> like, you know, uh, I don't want to deal with my commute. Yerk. <laughs> Drive me home. <laughs> or like, yerk, you're super into exercise, right? Like, you love that endorphin rush, but right. I don't want to. Like, take my body and go jogging, please. Doesn't sound bad. I'd just make it like just keep me in a bunch of fantasies all day while it did whatever it wants. Who cares? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. What is existence except what's going on between our dumb fucking eyes? Whatever. Have at it, Yerk. Yeah. And so Cassie get kind of like feels relieved about this conversation. A because also she gets a little recognition from Mr. Tidwell, who's like, "Yeah, Cassie, you're a pretty good kid. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry you're in a war." <laughs> right. Um, and, and, you know, and that's when Marco was like, you know, even if we win, Aftrin dies. Right. Like the best. Well, well like, why is that? Because Aftrin will die without the Candrona rays. Okay. And there's just no way around that. Yeah. It's, uh, that reminded me of Aftrin. She was a friend too. And pulling her out of the Yerk pool meant excruciating Candrona starvation unless I could think of a solution. I mean, what solution? Oh, we're going to steal a Candrona. They can't do it. But you know what is a good idea, though? What? Get this. Okay, so we need to get down to this yerk pool, see? Mm -hmm. Okay. We're going to yerk pool, see? We're going to yerk pool, see? 
and we need to smuggle ourselves in, see? Yeah, the Gleet Biofit only lets in yurks and humans. How are we going to get in there? Listen here, you mug. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't. I can't do this anymore. Why? You better do it or all 23 could do this podcast and you'll do it alone. You try dealing with these widow fucks on the internet. <laughs> That's all of you, listeners. That's all of you. Well, gee, boss, uh, I think that if we, uh, you know, if we, uh, not for yuck and get inside of this tube, we can sneak ourselves into that uh, yuck pool. Now, that's a brave new line of thinking. Oh, I'm going to turn John Lovitz. (laughs) (laughs) It was was already there. It was already there. The plan is, hey, let's, let's, you know, let's turn into a yuck and get inside his brain. I'm going to morph Illum. I'm going to go in Mr. Tidwell. Yeah. We're going to have a good time. They should all... Marco gets sick. They should all require <laughs> this Yerk, honestly. Having a Yerk morph sounds so useful. Yeah, but it's gross, though. So Fucking gross. I mean, and it's also, this also is the way gross Yerks... stop them. Gross is half what they do. Oh, but this is a, this is a different kind of gross. So, so what happened... So, Marco gets sick. He's out of the picture now. It's just Cassie and Tobias. Yeah. Right? And, and Axe can't tell him where the trio gland is. He's getting sicker and sicker. Not, well, it's not just that he's getting sick, right? He can't tell them where the trio gland is because he, doesn't, he, he wasn't paying attention to fucking was. class. <laughs> Axe. Our boy Axe. He's. Listen, Scholastic has one message. Pay attention in pay class. Pay attention. You never know. You never know when you need to learn trigonometry. That shit might come back. You never know when um, fucking like biology might come back. Mm-hmm. You never know when A and P might come back. Hey Tyler, uh, yeah. Um, where's your hypothalamus? My brain. Where in your brain? Middle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, yeah, it's in the middle, right? I don't know. It's on the you should pay attention in class. I paid attention. I know that you're fucked if it's fucked. Right. To be fair, they did say that Axe uh, wasn't going to have it on the quiz. According to him, yeah. so yeah. I mean, if you're not gonna test on it, I'm not gonna learn it. Right. I'm with Axe on that one. I'm pretty. Yeah, you're right. If they put it on the test and they didn't tell you, that's on the teacher. Yep. Fuck them. I hate that teacher who's just like, oh, well, listen, I shouldn't have to tell you everything. <laughs> so Cassie, in her meantime, gets stuff ready for surgery. Uh, yeah. I I love I love the getting ready for surgery yeah, stuff. Totally. She like badass. sets the drills out. <laughs> well, what is it? Chapter sixteen. I want to read some of that. Okay. Um. Okay. I scanned the messy array of tools. Was there anything that could cut through bone? My dad had a saw with teeth, and I thought it could handle the job, but the saw was way too long, unless I was going to cut down Axe's head straight down the middle like a big melon. I squeezed my eyes shut against the gory image that popped into my mind. I tried to reassure myself. The trio gland probably wasn't too big. I just needed to make a small hole. A small hole leading directly to Axe's brain. And, like, the idea of go Like, imagine, Tyler, you had to perform emergency brain surgery on me right now. Mm-hmm. What tool uh, in this vicinity would you use? I mean, I'm more... Like, I have a hammer. I have a screwdriver set. I have whatever you need. Brain surgery would be hard on you. I have seen chests ripped open. And you can do that pretty easily. Yeah, how do you, you just need to make a fulcrum with some pieces of metal to break the chest open, like upward. Uh, more like you cra- like you break the sternum in half and it opens up. Oh, like a rusty drawbridge. Yeah. <laughs> Insert the retractor and crank it until the ribs swing open like a rusty drawbridge. Uh, no blood. Uh. Next, make an incision in the coronary artery. Which is not good. The whole People bunch of which bones in a row. <laughs> it's. 
It's bad. <laughs> but yes, you can do it. There are ways. Okay. So, I mean, sounds like Cassie is feeling pretty good about it. She found she found the right tool. Um, She found what, what a circular saw. Is that what it's uh-huh. called? Uh, like a circular drill kind of thing. Yeah, like you would use to like bore holes into drywall. Yeah. Um, not normally used on brains. <laughs> yeah. All, all the while, Tobias has been off checking on the other Animorphs, but he comes back. He's sick too. Yeah, he comes back in hard. Like he just like comes in and then falls over and Cassie has to catch him. Ugh. Um, yeah, so so Tobias is also sick. It affects birds. It affects everybody. Yeah. Um, not Cassie. It does not affect Cassie. Nope. She's immune. She's asymptomatic. Um, and so, but like this leaves her alone. Right? She, yeah. There's I was nobody. The leader now. The right, leader she's the leader one. now. Um, and I thought that kind of ruled, um, like the idea of Cassie being in her worst situation, because this is her worst situation. Yeah, this is worse than before. Yeah, this this is her nightmare, really, right? Because she's all alone, nobody to support with, and she has to do a mission by herself, mm-hmm. and then afterwards do a surgery. <laughs> Speaking of which, you I know, love I- her just kind of casually going like, oh, hey, mom, uh... You got any books on animal brain <laughs> surgery? Yeah. I'm uh, doing a report for school. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, if you're a nerd, you get away with you get a lot more leeway with mom, right? Yeah. Like Cassie, they, if say Marco was asking these questions, Cassie's <laughs> mom would be like, "What are you up to, Marco?" Oh yeah, yeah. Marco would be on a fucking list. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, okay, stay away from the animals. In fact, just leave. Yeah. Catch you in hell, you little shit. But, like, Cassie being the nice nerd that she is, yeah, uh, here's the an- books about animal brain surgery that you're going to use for your book report. Also, uh, you can totally borrow this circular saw and all of these medical equipment. <laughs> <laughs> so, Cassie in Chapter 17 kind of acknowledges the stakes of everything. She knows that Axe is nearing death. She knows that she has to save Aftrin. She also knows that saving Aftrin is the most important thing and that this may cause Axe to die. Right. Like she, she makes a triage decision. She does, which it sucks having to do that as a healthcare worker. Yeah. When you look at someone, you think there's nothing I can do to save them. Here's your black card because that's how we look at it. Black, red, yellow, green. You want the green card. You want the green card. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, this is... I mean, I mentioned earlier with Katrina, it's a whole system of sort of triaging who's going to survive, who's going to be hurt, who might not survive, and who's definitely going to die. Okay. It sucks. And Cassie, like, in true, like, caregiver, like, healthcare role, does it like a fucking boss. Sometimes you look at the kid in front of you bleeding out who there's no chance of saving. You have to leave that room and go next door to save the person you have to save. I, I A would, real thing that happened to me. No, yeah, I know. I know. Uh, I would say maybe you should just hire more nurses. <laughs> Boy, that would make sense, huh? <laughs> you know, maybe have more of them on staff and, uh, you know. Yeah, that, yeah, that, and, that, that would be nice. And That's fine. You know, we have the best healthcare in the world. So yeah, you get you get a choice. <laughs> Listen, I get to choose my doctor. I don't have a doctor because of that reason, but you know, hey, I get to choose. Yeah, you can choose a doctor. None of the doctors are taking new patients, right? <laughs> I get to choose from zero doctors. 
doesn't matter. We figured it out. We best, figured it out. Best in the world. Um. So, Cassie. She says goodbye. She right. heads over to Mr. Tidwell's. She th- throws uh, Tobias before she leaves. She throws Tobias in yep. a bird cage. Puts him in a cage. Because she knows that they go all kind of wackadoo with the sickness. Yeah. Uh, so throws Tobias in a bird cage. He does not like it. No. And um, she's like, shut up, you stupid bird. This is the best place for you. Right? Yeah. Because <laughs> what else? Yeah. She snaps a little bit because she knows that Tobias should know better and she needs the support right yeah. now. So maybe behave. Uh, Tobias is in the best shape because he's in the care of two vets and he's a fucking hawk. I mean, we later find out that he went through a little ordeal himself. Oh, he does have a little adventure up the butt. Uh, spoiler alert. He gets a pill up his butt. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, just right in there. Do they, like, suppositories, how often does that happen? All the time. Oh, God. Yeah. I thought that was a cartoon the, thing. No, no, no. The hardest part of a suppository is getting it flush against the rectal membrane and not into the turd itself. Because if it doesn't absorb into the soft tissue of the rectum, then it just sits in your turd. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a shame. so you have to train your finger to differentiate between soft rectal tissue mm-hmm. and soft turd i imagine it's like a little bit like gristly you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> well you know what? that's why i'm not a nurse yeah this is a skill <laughs> these the hands reason. have you have heal you, yeah you have a healing touch i have a healing touch <laughs> and i have healed much touch but ty i have you know i'm very skilled at reiki so i mean you know we're pretty much the same. yeah that works too <laughs> Uh, anyways, so yeah, Cassie, uh, you gets, these nuts. Cassie picks up her bindle, I guess, and <laughs> and goes off to um, Mr. Tidwell's, Mr. Tidwell's house to um, put uh, Ilum in a in, in a Ziploc bag of <laughs> <have> water. <laughs> yeah, like doesn't even poke an air hole. <laughs> Which I never really thought about it, but yeah, I suppose they do have gills, don't they? Something, yeah, yeah. Who the fuck knows? They can just breathe under there. So she uh, she acquires Ilum. Yeah. And she morphs the Yerk. And it's one of the more visceral and, or at least for me, disgusting descriptions of a morph in a while. Why don't you read it? She says, My skin turned slick with a thin coat of mucus. It covered my entire body, oozing from the pores, my eyelids, the space between my fingers and my toes, my neck, my legs, my stomach. The mucus thickened into a goo like half-set jello. It seeped into my ears, my nose, my mouth. I gagged as the mucus swelled in my mouth. My teeth began to dissolve as as if the mucus was an acid. My lips melted together, closing my mouth on vanishing teeth and swelling goo. Axe always says I'm the best morpher, but it's hard to resist this morph. I tried to relax, to give myself over to the changes. My body turned cold as the thick slime slid down my throat, packing my esophagus. Somehow I was still breathing, maybe through my skin. A wave of nausea rolled through me cold thick mucus hit my stomach and intestines i felt them shrivel up and disappear the mucus wrapped itself around my heart and my heart withered and stopped beating slime stuck my arms to my sides and glued my legs together i felt it seep through my flesh until it hit bone the cold slime turned my bones to ice then they shattered into a zillion pieces the floor rushed up to meet me as i fell off the chair i hadn't begun to shrink yet and I lay there, the world's largest slug, my entire body made up of slick, squishy flesh. That's horrifying. That goo forces itself down your throat and into your heart. I, I just picture that scene from The Matrix when Neo touches the mirror, right? Nice. And he goes his hand, and then the goo goes up into his mouth, and he kind of drowns in, in the metal goo. Yeah, oh. that sounds bad. Oh, that's... 
I pictured someone dying of COVID when the, their secretions <laughs> filled up their esophagus and they choke on their own like lung juice, their own lung butter. That's what we call it, lung butter. You ever hear that? Nope. I've heard cheese lung. Now you've got. Now you know it. But Tyler, COVID's over. Open her up. <laughs> Open her up. Open her up like a can of beans. Open her up like a jar of weed. <laughs> like Forrest Whitaker's eye. Uh, that, no, that's the worst one. <laughs> Open her up like a jar of weed. Like a jar of weed. Open her up like a can of beans. Uh, yeah, no, COVID's over, Tyler. I don't know what you're talking about. Open Co- her up. COVID is done. Uh, we're done with it. It's over. Stop talking about that, it. <laughs> that morph disgusted me. The fact that the first change was just to be covered in slime that chokes you and shuts down your heart. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's a perfect Why did segue. Why turn out so fucked up? Uh, well, y- y- I think it's because... I got slime in my heart. Because you got slime in your heart. Is that an eel song? Slime in your heart? It should be. <laughs> okay. Uh, I had forgotten about eel songs. Yeah, no, they're already gone. <laughs> Would that be the time for animal facts then? We are we could doing do a the little cover morph, yeah, right? Yeah, she is. She is morphing into a yerk, and yerks are parasites. Travis, what have you got? Because I've got some stuff too. All right, animal uh, facts. Animal facts. Prince Jake and Cassie, Tobias and Axe, Rachel and Marco, the bandits are here. They want to listen to animal facts. Fuck. So she was saying that she was the world's largest slug, which would mean that she was beating out the the black sea hare is a slug that can reach nearly 40 inches and weigh almost 30 pounds. And that is the largest slug, I believe, that I was able to find. Um, Could I write it? You can ride anything if you're brave enough. Yeah, but like, I mean, like, you know, could it like move? Well, like, you're support... underwater, right? So how much of your okay. weight are you actually putting on it? You could kind of like, you could probably. Uh, so you said, you, you say I could ride it. You could ride it. You could probably could totally lasso it. it and then have it pull you along. Yeah. Um, all right. All right. Let me, let me, let me go with one. Tell me what you think of this, Travis. Um. So you ever heard of a castrator barnacle? Um. Well, I know one of those words. <laughs> barnacle, right. <laughs> it is barnacle. What does the other one mean? <laughs> castrator. So a castrator barnacle, and I should say, these are some parasitism facts sent Ooh. to us by the wonderful Divine Soup Can. So thank, thank you, Divine Soup Can. Shout out for Divine Soup Can. They sent us, this, they sent us a few. I want to read a few of them. I'll do one, then Travis can do some. Cool. Here we go. Castrator barnacles enter a crab through the joints. If the crab is female, it cares... It cares for the barnacle eggs as if they were its own. If the crab is male, it is first feminized. Its body widens, it stops developing large claws, and it will perform female behaviors, and it grows partial or complete ovaries. So it's it's the sex change barnacle? Yep. It's a, it's a parasite Park. that gets into your joints and turns into a hot femboy. It's a Jurassic, wow. the Jurassic Park barnacle? Yeah. So you're telling me that this thing will steal my balls? Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> take them. I'm not using them. I'm not using my balls. I'm going to take care of some barnacle eggs. Hell yeah. 
I went more for slugs and parasites, but if you went for parasites, do you have anything on that one that takes and replaces your tongue? I do. The tongue-eating okay. louse? Cool. Yeah, I'll let you do that then. But uh, if we're bouncing back and forth, talking about um, castration, some forms of slugs, uh, the way they reproduce is a form of like penis fencing so they'll have both sets of genital uh formations right so they have a male piece and a body a female piece and the competition will engage and see who will be able to pierce the other one and be the one to impregnate the other and it sometimes one will actually chew off the penis of the partner after a successful mating and some also of them, penis fencing <laughs> some of them will remove their own penis after uh, a successful mating i mean listen we've all seen german pornography this is fine this is <laughs> right. just, yeah this is normal sometime when i've done a really good job getting someone pregnant i take my penis off <laughs> i just cut it right off because yeah, you're done penis. <laughs> you you did your job now you need to remove your knob <laughs> <laughs> got it there it is, baby. Oh God! Oh, did you want me to do the tongue-eating louse now? I uh, love that I, one. I, so please. I hate my I hate my tongue. So yeah, get rid of it. I want I want I want a new tongue. Nate, do you know? Oh boy, do you know about the tongue-eating louse? Um. Well, I know that a louse is you know it's like a flea, right? It's small. So the tongue-eating louse is a parasitic isopod. Okay. Females enter through a fish's gills and sever blood vessels, ca- blood vessels causing the fish's tongue to atrophy. They then anchor themselves to the stud, stub, becoming the fish's new tongue. New it, tongue. It feeds off the fish's blood. It is the only parasite to functionally replace a host's organ. Okay, but so I, I've actually, I this is the one I knew about. Ah, oh, I know. I'm sorry. But you let me say that. Uh, well, because I've seen the picture of the uh, tongue replacing louse. Oh, I don't like that. Uh, it's actually really funny because, like, when you open, like, it was a fisherman who caught one of these, like. Tongue, tongueless fish, right? Mm-hmm. And he opened up the mouth, and inside there's this happy looking louse. They have this weird smile on their face. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's bizarre. I'm happy to be a tongue. It's very <laughs> xenomorph, like mouth in mouth. Right. Ugh. But like he, the the louse looks happy. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. He probably is very happy to be a tongue. He's he's done his job. Oh God! I just looked at it. Yeah. Right. I don't like or this. She is very happy. Rather, don't misjudge oh, yeah, the I louse. Suppose- yeah, like huh. they ha- like because they have their little things together. They're scheming. Uh, they look pre- they look happy. No, this this is horror. I mean, Ty, it's an isopod. They all look kind of kind of gross. What? I don't like animorphs anymore. I, yeah, I would say that's probably the closest to a yerk. That's not even an animorphs thing. <laughs> but because of animorphs, I know about it. <laughs> uh, I mean, you look at the yerk on the cover. This looks like a yerk on the. Oh God, disgusting! All right, someone else go. I love it. The slime that snail or slugs leave behind is like a liquid crystal. Um, <laughs> My dad loves that. Yeah, <laughs> LCD. <laughs> it's uh, somewhere between liquid and solid. Flows like a liquid, but at a molecular level, it's more organized and granular. And it helps protect the slugs' soft, vulnerable underside from bacteria and fungi. I have a follow-on to this fact. Um, so snail goo, for lack of a better term, or slug goo, I guess, um, is used in a lot of Korean beauty products. 
to to uh, keep the skin moist and, and kind of you know uh, keep it protected and pure. And I know this because I actually put snail goo on my face every night. Nice. It's Ugh. really nice. Do you want to see it? No. I, I can do. bring it in. I don't want to yes. see your face. Bring it. I mean, like, do it. Todd, do you want to touch it? I'm gonna. I'll be right back. I'm gonna get uh, some. Yes. God damn this. Uh, oh god, he's got it. So, so uh, on top of Animal Corner, we're gonna have Beauty Corner with Advanced Snail <laughs> well, Ninety Two all in one cream. This is the Teen Girl episode. It is the Teen Girl episode. So, Tyler, why don't you uh, moisturize? No smell. Okay. Looks uh, a lot like cum, I would say. Uh, yeah, it, yes, it does. Travis, does that look like cum? Uh, yeah, I'd say it looks like, like dried cum for sure. Yeah. Oh, it's not dry. Okay, so like, dab it and then and it's like put it, it put it on your face. It doesn't look like sure. as look. Oh, I guess it does. No, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna take a picture. Of this. Take a picture. We'll put it up somewhere. Put it right in front of the Animorphs book here. Yeah. Don't put it on the book though. I'd... God. Okay. Is that too much? Yeah, that's just about right. And you want to like dab it around your face and kind of spread it about. Okay, and it's like really work it in. It's just like any other lotion. Avoid the eyes. They burn. <laughs> now you tell me. <laughs> you should know not to get cum in the eyes right now. You're growing back. It's it's great for the skin though. You, you really you really feel moisturized. Yeah, just put it on the neck. Just go. <sighs> oh, it's still on my skin. It's all gooey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's it's partial crystal, you say? Uh, yeah, it's partially crystal. Okay. Um, yeah, so how do you feel, Tyler? Do you feel moist and crystallized? I feel like you made me put something that disgusts me on my face for content. <laughs> and I'm going to be uncomfortable for the rest of this. But I said nothing, because I'm a good sport. Like Cassie. Cassie's a good sport. <sighs> uh, yeah, but... <laughs> UC Santa Cruz is a good sport. Their team is the mascots as a... Sorry, their team mascot is a... Uh, what kind of slug? Banana slug... Santa Cruz Banana Slugs! A, uh, protest vote. They were actually supposed to formally be the uh, sea lion, but students kept ch- uh, chanting stuff like slime them and go slugs at games <laughs> until there was a formal vote, and slugs won 5-1, to because fuck something boring. I, can f- I mean, honestly, that's, that's pretty good. How are you feeling? I feel this on my face. Yeah, you feel it? it it's good for the skin. Uh, yeah. You look you look radiant. Thank you. Um, and, and I think that that does it for snail facts, Tyler. You really, uh, how do you feel about snails now? Uh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel great about snails. I've been using the uh, Snail 92 cream for quite a while. This one says it is, in fact, expired. <laughs> uh, <laughs> expired snail cream. Actually, no. We still got a month, everybody. We still have a month. Okay. There's so much in there. Uh-huh. If that's just your cum, I'm going to be so <laughs> mad. No, I keep that in a different you jar. You know I like to eat it. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so tell you, you now feel like Cassie. You feel... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to put this goo in my heart. Yeah, so Cassie has that goo in her heart. Imagine that goo raising up from her throat, choking her. Okay. Yeah. Um, and now uh, she's blind. She knows nothing of the world. She can't see. She can't hear. She can't really feel. She's in York mode. But she feels like a cool hole. <laughs> she Same. feels like the cool hole. Okay, let's just climb right in. Let's climb in the hole. Okay, we're, we're pushing. We're almost through. Oh, there's an ear canal. 
I'll just move some of that tissue aside. She, she shoots some painkiller out. She secretes painkiller. Yeah. Man, you ever lick a yerk and get high? <laughs> I would. I would get high off a of yerk. I would try. Yeah. I would definitely try. Um, and yeah, no, they, uh, Cassie slides right into, uh, Mr. Tidwell's brain. So I loved this chapter. Yeah, this is really good. Because, not because it's written well, because, I mean, it was. It, it is. But it's, <sighs> Travis, I don't know about you, Nate, I don't know about you, but this chapter where Cassie's describing the colors, the sensations, the beauty of the world around her, I was like, that's being on hallucinogens. <laughs> Like, this is a chapter about being on drugs. So do you think that Yerks, Yerks get high when they have a controller? That's what I was I thinking. Do. It's like, okay. like all this sensory input they've never had before. The like vibrant colors, the beautiful taste of food that Axe gets. Yeah. The ability to move about the universe, to understand, to perceive, to see beauties and wonders in an ordinary world you didn't know were there. You didn't know were there until this moment. Yeah, that is being on drugs. Yeah, and being on drugs rules. Yeah, being it's yeah they're they're not even like the boring drugs. They aren't fun drugs. Like cocaine. Yeah, fine. You want to clean your house real fast? Yeah. Go for it. No, you you take a couple hits of acid. You take Some like mushrooms. a half eight of mushrooms. This this chapter is. Am I wrong? It, no, no, you're absolutely she's right. She's like, I could have stayed in the kitchen all night and just looked at colors, which right. I've done on mushrooms. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just I, listening to the drip of the faucet. Yeah, yeah. This is the yeah one hundred percent. I think the author intended that that reading. It's not only does the reader understand why Yerks like love being in a host so much, yeah, but also sometimes it's fun to alter your brain. <laughs> sometimes yeah, they're not just there for business; they're there for pleasure. It's just in this case, it's kind of both. Like Cassie has to drag herself back into reality a little bit, and yeah, because like Mister Tidwell is kind of screaming at her, saying like, "Hey, we we have shit to yeah, do it's today. Like, Can't you figure out how to move my body? Come on, bitch!" And she's like, "Fingers, yeah. <laughs> fingers, fingers." Attention, Ghost Roma. Fingers, fingers. Even though she has a body, yeah, I touched the brain center of hearing. Ah, it was like being alive again. Sound of water dripping into the sink sounded beautiful. Then I touched the centers for sight. It was lights on after being forever in a mine shaft. Overwhelming, joyful. It was dazzling, dizzy, and delirium. Afton was so right when she told me humans live amid, live amid splendor and magnific magnificence. Mr. Tidwell's red and white check tablecloth was a sight to be relished and lingered over. Hey, Ty, She's he, on drugs. She is. Like, I love this. Yeah, like, this is clever writing. And as a kid, there's no way, like, you only understand that chapter unless you've been on drugs. Yeah. Right? Like, it, it's one of those things where it's hard to describe. We are both have done a drug. <laughs> yeah. We did. We, we tripped together, baby. It's way in the past. We'd never do it again. No, tra uh, Travis, have you ever um, been on a drug? I I've been on a drug or two. I was really hoping there'd be like a bar. <laughs> oh, damn it. Shit. No, I... no, you're good. You're good. You're good. You, no, you you're good. It. You got it. Um, well, you got a clean one from earlier. You can just edit it in, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll throw that it. one in there. Yeah, I'll just fold it in there. Um, so, Travis, it, it, as, a, as a drug doer, does that, does that sound accurate? Like, have you ever been to able to describe to somebody else what it's like being on a drug? I mean, only if they have also been on the drug, right? Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, but they already know. Like somebody who's yeah, if they haven't edge, been never. Like, you can give a, a description, but yeah, it's 
doesn't ever it's always feel stupid. adequate. Right, yeah. It's like, oh, you see colors and you feel nice. Like, right. Yeah, yes. But also, like, it, you the outside it, looking in, you look like an idiot. There is yeah. the inside looking out. Yeah. The world is amazing. Like, can there, you think of any movie that has ever actually portrayed drugs well? Yeah, I can. Which? But it's <laughs> it's mi- uh, Midsummer. Yeah, okay. That portrayed yeah. that portrayed being on mushrooms very accurately. Yeah, that one did yeah. do a good job. But anything after the mushroom scenes, I wouldn't recommend being on mushrooms while watching. Probably not. God, my face It's itching. <laughs> Why is it itchy? It's got fucking snail cream on it. You want to wash it off? No, no, I'm going to power through. Okay. But for the record, I don't like it. (laughs) Okay. You're one of those guys who doesn't like moist... Some guys just don't like lotion on their skin. No, I like lotion on parts of my body, just not my face. All right. Especially when it's made of fucking slime. Speaking of not liking slime on your face, can we talk about the fact that she says that she's pushing bones out of the way as a year like, yeah. I feel like oh, yeah. there's got to be some way to test controllers if you're like breaking parts of their skull out of the way every time you're going in and out nah, she's she's secreted painkiller it's fine yeah, you don't feel it but like it's still happening right like just because you don't feel your teeth there's when always you're bleeding a little bit from the ears i imagine it's probably like getting your wisdom teeth thicken out where like you hear the bone crack and the pressure in your jaw right, but, but the you jo- just don't bone feel is it. still cracking right like you can yeah. see that yeah but you don't feel it you're just like huh that's that's my bone <laughs> i'm just saying like, i feel like there should be a way to test for controllers like see if people have this inner ear damage like this specific <laughs> Thing, yeah, like, but it's a bit suspicious to like, hey, can I check out your inner ear? Yeah, it's like, hey, can you get in this cat scan for a second? <laughs> um, so, so Cassie regains control. She she it's like she gets rid of her trip. She's like, okay, I need to put on my business face. Just yeah, I'm gonna so, make Tidwell. up. She's like, oh, I can't figure out how to work Tidwell. And then she's like, well, Tidwell knows how to do it. This is like a morph. I'll just make Tidwell do it. Yeah. And she uh, politely tries to sidestep his memories. Which, like, she sees him crying in bed next to a picture of his dead wife. Yeah, it's going to sidestep that one. And, yeah. oh, here's the legs. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the other leg. Yeah, I uh, got it. If you want to learn to drive, you kind of got to remember your dead wife. <laughs> it's a process. It is a process. Um, but she gets going to the York pool. Right. Like, f- she just, she figures out that. Tidwell can do it, so she makes Tidwell's body do everything. Right, exactly. And she gets to the Yerk pool, which she goes to the McDonald's, orders the extra happy. Yep. They they stick her in that refrigerator and down she goes. Down she goes. And listeners, it's been a while since we've been to the Yerk pool. I barely remember. Yeah. Tyler, why don't you refresh me? How is a Yerk pool? It's fun, right? It's the screams of children and slaves. <laughs> uh, that sounds bad. It's so yep. what Cassie sees is to this point, probably one of the most horrifying images in the books. It doesn't have to do with violence. It doesn't have to do with death. It has to do with a five-year-old child being having his head pulled from the yerk pool and starting to scream, Mommy, Mommy, as they drag him away, passing Cassie, just screaming, Mommy, Mommy, over again. Yeah. Do you think the mom's a controller? Probably. What if she's not? Then it's even worse. Right? She doesn't know. This like, scene stuck with me. Right. It's different when it's a kid. Um, and this book does not shy away from it. Yeah. Like, 
there's paragraphs about this kid and how he looks and they characterize his screams and well the cassie cassie thinks this right like uh when they passed me i wanted to reach out and snatch the little boy away from them he was going to be whooshing down the slide at a playground he should be learning names of all the crayola crayons in the big box um best one being neon green of course i like burnt sienna yeah yeah reminds me you know, if that baseball player caught on fire, I forget his first name, but it was, it was something Sienna. But I was like, what are you got on fire? Burke Sienna. Travis, what's your favorite crayon in the big crayon box? Uh, I don't remember the specific names, but I've always been a fan of a general emeraldy. Yeah, like the, they had one that was like neon green, which I really liked. And there's also like hot red. The hot red one was pretty good. My, okay. My fa- favorite one is definitely the color of her hair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a little Perry Bible Fellowship for everybody. Yeah, so this kid is not going to be having those memories. No. Instead, he's going to have the memories of adult Yerkenbrain. Yep. <laughs> Which uh, is no good. It's it's awful. And Cassie recognizes that Tidwell, Ilum, Aftran, anyone involved in the Yerk Peace Movement has to witness this with a stone face. Has to let this happen. You know what my favorite side effect of this is, though? Isn't so much about what, like, yeah, no, it's it's uh, tragic for Ilm, especially tragic for Mister Tidwell, mm-hmm. um, who can relate closer to human emotions. I think. Yeah. Um, but the thing that always gets me is are the controllers in the back. We don't really know those control, like the the voluntary controllers, mm-hmm. right? The ones that are just watching Full House uh, with their backs turned, just like living out their lives while the screams of children are behind them. Um, you know, it just seems pretty poignant now. Uh, given recent news and by the way i don't know when this is coming out but i guarantee that something is happening like this (laughs) (laughs) of people ignoring pain and suffering when they can yeah this is that's kind of an evergreen timeless thing yep is the people next to you don't want to listen to the horrors around you and honestly sometimes just making it through the day without reacting is all you can do so let me tell you one thing though kids book (laughs) Cassie goes down to the pool and makes plops. <laughs> she does make plops. <laughs> she makes two plops specifically. She does. Plop number one is uh, our good friend Ilm. Yep. Out of the Ziploc bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, plop number two is Cassie herself. Right she, into the Eric pool. She she disconnects from, from uh, Mr. Tidwell and mm-hmm. plops down. Yep. Um, and is now in this gross pool, which I know they shit in. <laughs> they, Yerks shit. Everyone shits. Yerks especially. Uh, it is a gross pool. <laughs> it's on my face. <laughs> yeah, you like it? I can feel it still. Mm, I, I like it. I, I've, I, it, my skin is radiant. Disagree. Uh, yeah, Cassie's in there, and she finds the little box with Aftran. It's like, oh, that's that's not that hard. They built him a little cage. Yeah, they built a little cage for Aftran. I feel like I feel like they would have like a different side pool for prisoners. <laughs> Because I mean, it's not like Yerks really are great at moving on land, I bet. No, in fact, we found their shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, after has a little cage, and Cassie's like, I actually did not think this plan through. How am I yeah, gonna what am I ca- what am I gonna do? And uh as as you you know, as we find out, uh there's a girl around Cassie's age that is a voluntary controller. Mm-hmm. Uh and th- this girl, she goes to the York pool, she's like, All right, slug, get into my brain. Yep. I, I love it. But um, why does she jump into this girl? Who's well, there? Oh, well, one thing that we have been ignoring 
uh, especially around this book called The Sickness. The Sickness. Uh, is that Mr. Oh, wow. 3 is here. He's ready to rock. He's ready to torture. He's like, it's his favorite fucking thing. It, like, th this is his birthday, and he got a birthday <laughs> present, and it is torturing yeah. disobedience. He screams out, everyone gather around. I want you to see this. It's my Bring birthday. Bring me the traitor. It's my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> present? Uh, yeah, a fucking peacenik loving. Yep. Uh, what's a good what's a good evil word to say to somebody like that? Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, sir, don't have nothing good for you now. Check back later. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, but no, Visitor Three is so excited to be uh, doing a torture. Can't waterboard them. They're yurks. Yeah. Um, I don't know what he has. What is what does he even have planned for torture? I imagine he'd probably stick him in something. Like he'd probably slice on him a little bit, then put him in like an involuntary host, cut up the host. Well. It, Here's what he does. So Cassie slides into the voluntary controller's brain mm -hmm. to kind of get closer to this torture gather around. Cassie herself infests someone yeah. unwillingly. Right. Uh, it's fine. Don't think about it. Yeah, don't think about it. <laughs> it's they, fine. They're fine. a voluntary host. It's fine. Don't think about it. It's okay to use them. They want to be like this. They, they love it. Um, and Vista 3, he just pokes. He just pulls Aftran out and just pokes him. It's like, like ah, you little fucker. Yeah, exactly. That's 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 torture, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it really that's all you need? It's just Imagine if a giant pulled you into the ocean and started poking you. It'd come. As a defense? Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it's 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 torture. And Cassie uses the little girl to slap Aftrin back <laughs> into the yerk pool. Her only plan is just body check Visser 3 as yeah. a little girl. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she bites and, him too. Yeah, that, she bites that, him. That's yeah. true. Well, biting's a good move. It's Cass it's the Cassie move, the bite. <laughs> um and yeah. <laughs> body checks Visser 3, bites Visser 3, jumps into the yerk pool. Yeah, manages to grab Aftran somehow. Yeah. Right? Well, she no, like she jumps out. Oh god, this is like this is where it gets a little fuzzy. It's a little weird. I mean, she grabs Aftran. No, yeah. she gets right. him to drop Aftran, and then Aftran falls into the pool directly. I think it doesn't yes. matter. Yeah, like, uh, Aftran gets away. Cassie um, crawls out of little girl. She morphs human. Visor three turns into like the tentacle monster from Final Fantasy. Yeah, the more barrel for all yeah. the Final Fantasy heads Don't out there. Don't smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, Cassie's like, well, I guess I'm going to turn into an osprey. And she turns into an osprey and she says, Aftran, fly into my talons. Which, hey, Aftran heard that one. Yeah, it goes right in the talons. Cassie takes off. Mr. Uh, 3 is like poisoning her with darts. Yeah, She's like, going numb. Just like smacking down this bird. <laughs> Dracon beams are shooting into the yerk pool to kill them all. Mr. Right. 3 doesn't care. Yeah, because you can't miss in a yerk pool because it's just a writhing pile of yerks. Yeah, it's shooting slugs in a barrel. Yeah. Put applause there. <laughs> oh, the, the audience loves it. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Um, and yeah, so Visser 3 just doesn't care. He wants the Andalite bandit. Yeah, he's like, dead. kill them, kill them, kill them. Right. Um, but Cassie gets away. Yeah. Well, she, she, very, like, she's she's a wet, burnt bird yeah. that has been, like, smacked around a little bit. And poisoned. And poisoned. But she, like, makes it up the stairs up to the McDonald's. Well, she gets chased by the Phantasm Ball. Oh shit, a hunter killer's after the her. The hunter killer robot's after her. And, and how does she take it out? She does it in true Cassie fashion. She shits on it. That's not a joke, listener. The orb flies under her and she poops on it. 
Cassie's defense is poop. Is this uh, something that has been foreshadowed by the emphasis that she put on the bird poop on her pants at the beginning of the book? It came up multiple times. I think she always has bird poop. Like, that that's how you know it's Cassie. I know, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, she has been noted to have that on her since the beginning of the series, basically. But yeah, I'm just wondering, like, is that why they went with her saving the day with bird poop is because like, it's been associated with her so much at this point. Yeah. It's, it's a nice little nod to that. And it's a nice little callback to the horse book when she took a shit to distract (laughs) Mr. Three. Oh yeah, that's right. Cassie loves to shit. Saving the day with her shit. I mean, the skunk, that's pretty much a type of shit. <laughs> uh, skunk experts would disagree, but I'm with you. I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, you know. Yeah, you I know. get you. I'm with no. It's a fart. I'm basically, not like them. Right? I'm with That's you. That's how it works. It comes out of the butt end. Yes. It's a it's a poop. Cassie loves using her ass. Honestly, yeah, that's a good move. I I would adopt that. Yeah. I've, here's the thing: if Rachel was there and she tried to attack the hunter killer with yeah. her mighty She'd mighty claws, killed. immediately dead. Yep. <laughs> Made the right move. Cassie opens up that cloaca, drops a little bomb on him. She flies right the fuck out of there. Right. Uh, we don't know how she gets past the filter, yeah. everyone. We both read this book. Yeah. Uh, Travis, do you know no. how Cassie got past the filter? No, no clue. She, my my thought was she just flew really fast. <laughs> I guess the closest I can come up with is because she's holding a yerk. It yeah. like, detects that there's a yerk there, so it's okay. Well, like the book even tries to describe it, but like it can't. Like, I guess the Ghost Rider got vague notes about what this thing does. And it's just like, okay, well, uh, maybe it's just like a laser that activates after three seconds. Okay, fine. Oh, long story short, it really doesn't matter, nor do I care. Yeah, the way um, that they describe it makes it sound like, okay, so these things aren't a threat if you just, like, go through them really quickly. Right? Yeah. So who but cares? Like, it could be they just haven't tried that one, to be honest. <laughs> Guys, have you just tried flying through it real fast? <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, it works. She, it works. She gets out of the McDonald's. She heads back home. Axe is at his crisis point. Yeah. Now, a lesser book would have had her coming home to the Animorphs, having already fixed Axe somehow. Or like, uh, I was thinking either Cassie's mom would have like this horse is very sick with like Eric doing like a little hologram of a, right. Yeah, like that would be a like, way out. So far, these books have like a good chunk of them, and I'm sorry, you Animorphs lovers, have cop out endings. Yeah. Like they're endings that just sort of peter out and poop. Like, right. Like, like we need re- we need to end this book yeah, now. So it's over, they got away, we're all we're all good. Yeah. This uh, is not that book. This is not the last this is not the last book you were on for, Travis, where Cassie's like Yeah. Well uh, okay, to be fair, the butterfly is a technically type of morph. Uh, uh, is the biggest <laughs> cop out. That's of that's the, the biggest series. That's the biggest cop out. I hate it so this much. This is not that book. Cassie gets back. Axe is in crisis point. She has to do surgery. Right. She's shaking him like, Axe, where's the tria gland? What the fuck do I do? She's tired. She's She just came back from fucking going to the yerk pool and fighting Visser 3. Yeah, she took on Visser 3 herself, saved a yerk, <laughs> took did on an impossible Visser 3 herself mission. in a little girl's body. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then, like she, she morphs out and she like tiredly puts on her clothes and like, you know, scrubs in yeah. and pulls like her little tiny kit of cobbled together brain tools. And it's like, all right, Axe, where where is this gland? I'm imagining I know. that scene from uh the first not the first Batman movie, the uh the first 
Tim Burton Batman movie, right? Where they do the Joker in the underground <laughs> yeah. surgery room Mirror. with like <laughs> the rusty angled tools. You understand that the nerves were completely severed, Mr. Napier. <laughs> You see what I have to work with here. Oh, that's exactly it. Yeah. And Axe is like down on the ground. We would call it in the medical field agonal respirations. That's when you're on your way out. I think, I, yeah, agonal seems pretty bad. Yeah, very <laughs> bad. And Eric's like, I don't know what the fuck to do. He's He's gone. And Cassie's like, I don't know what the fuck to do. But she comes up with a plan. And and here's what I thought would happen if if, if I may. You may. It's your okay. podcast. You may. May I? You may. Well, thank you. I changed my mind. Let's move on. No, please. <laughs> uh, so Cassie gets this really brilliant idea, right? She has had a yerk in her brain recently. Mm-hmm. She's been a yerk in her brain recently, right? She she had a yerk in her brain recently because she wanted to have a conversation with Aftran, mm-hmm. right? Of like. Hey, buddy, how you doing? <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah. And Aftran's like, yeah, I'm doing well. We, we've we made some progress on the whole peace movement thing. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, and so Cassie had this idea of, wait, Aftran, if I put you inside of Axe, could you, could you like feel around in there and kind of tell me where the gland was? And Aftran's like, well, I mean, like, that's not normally what I do in brains, but I could give it a shot. So Cassie puts a yerk in Axe's brain. And this is actually where I thought the book would go, was that, oh, okay, well, he's in a brain now. Aftran's in a brain? Okay, great. We're, we're halfway there. Aftran, just, just pop that thing out. Like, you're, you're right next to it. You can probably touch it. Just go in there and use your yerk little fin, just kind of, yep. like, cut open that cyst and take care of it. Because... I know 100% that this scholastic book about a 13-year-old girl is not going to be doing brain surgery. Right. It's ending in 10 pages. There's it, no way. Yeah. I picked up the scalpel and positioned it to one side of the spot Aftran had described. Then I made a straight cut about four inches long. I could feel the metal blade scraping the bone of Axe's skull. But that was good. That's how deep I needed to go. I needed to peel back a flap of skin so I could get to work on the bone. A line of blue-black blood appeared. My stomach did a flip-flop. I swallowed hard and made a cut with the perpendicular to the first. Again, about four inches long. Hemostat, I snapped. The instrument was in my hand a split second later. Another, okay? Retractor. No. It's the other thing. I pulled back a flap of skin. He passed... Cassie asked for tape. Uh, how, how, how much do you want? Three inches. He passed the piece of cloth tape to me. I used it to hold the flap of skin away from the bone. Uh, his heart, his heart is starting to beat faster, uh, and his gl- his gland is throbbing. It's swelling a little bit too. After an announced, can you control his heartbeats at all? I asked. Try to slow them down. I'll try. Gauze pads, Eric. I held out my hand, and Eric slapped them in my hand. I used them to mop up some of the blood oozing from the incision. Now the hole saw. It's in the sterilizer. Uh, here. Uh, you need to hurry, Cassie. It doesn't look good in here. Aftran sounded nervous. What would happen to her if Axe's tria gland burst while she was still inside his head? Okay, I'm going to need you to blot out some of the blood as I go, I told Eric. You got it. <laughs> Eric handed me the hole saw. I positioned the circle of saw teeth around where I hoped the tria gland was. I turned the saw's handle a few times. 
I pulled back. I pulled the saw back, and the circle of bone came with it. Now I was looking at Axe's brain. Sweat popped out all over my forehead and started to run down my cheeks and nose. Eric dabbed it away with another gauze pad before it started to drip into Axe's brain. I didn't have to ask Aftrin for more help finding the tree gland. It was easy to spot. Deep purple. Bulging. Retractor. Scalpel. My fingers shook when he handed them to me. The gland looked ready to blow. I was afraid if I touched it, it would start spewing. Cassie cuts the gland out of Axe's brain. It sounds like a scene from The Nick. Yeah, it basically is. Travis, could you, if I was, like, if I was in this situation, could you do brain surgery on me? Uh, no, if you remember from last episode, I'm a quadriplegic, so <laughs> probably not. You're the only one. You're the only one that can help me. Uh, I, I Nobody else. They're best, all sick. Man, I would try, but... <laughs> Except this dog robot who's actually super advanced and knows all this. Right. <laughs> this book goes there. Yeah. It fucking goes there. Cassie drills a hole in Axe's skull. And Axe is cured immediately. And how do we know? He's screaming in his own brain that he's enslaved. <laughs> Afrin immediately tells Cassie, it's like, oh, he's better. And he's screaming. Uh, yeah, no, Cassie's trying to calm down Axe. Axe is freaking out for several reasons. <laughs> One, uh, Cassie was in his brain. Yep. Two, a yerk is in his brain. Yep. <laughs> Too many people are in there. Too many bitches in his brain today. It's a problem. It is a problem. Um, but, like, Axe also recognizes that he needs to lie down. <laughs> He's quite tired. Again, kind After of it, uh, some foreshadowing from the beginning of the book. He was saying that... He didn't want anyone to have his body, and now somebody has it. Somebody does. That's that's a good catch. Yeah, no, I know. I thought it was just a funny uh, joke. I mean, no, obviously it was, but uh, yeah, nice. I no, mean, but yeah, that's up, that, you know? that is that is damn. That's some good ghostwriting. Yeah. So Aftrin poops out of Axe. Axe is pissed off. Says, "I want to kill her. I want to fucking kill her." And Cassie's like, "Hold on, this yerk saved you." And Axe is like, "I don't give a fuck. I want to kill every yerk." Which, I mean, that's what Andalites do. That's when Cassie slides Aftran into her own brain again. Mm -hmm. And Aftran says, please kill me. <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, why? Uh, why is that? Why does Aftran want to die? Because Aftran knows that she'll starve to death anyway. And she'd rather die peacefully than die in agony. She asks for the grace of her own death rather than letting her body die painfully. And, and Cassie's dealing with this and she, she walks out and she hears Eric say, um, don't worry, I can handle this, this hologram for a little while. Don't worry, I built the pyramids. Yeah. Like, fucking Eric, no. Like, she's, yeah, fuck you, Eric. <laughs> you're, not, you're not helping. <laughs> yeah, you don't do anything. They said that they, uh, when they first met Eric... He showed that he has a yerk contained in his brain. Exactly. That, yeah, like... Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot the little bubble yerk. Yeah, yeah. he's got a little yerk bubble in there. Uh, they forgot it. I forgot it, too. So it works out. It's, I mean, the only one who remembers are us weird pedants who have read these books 200 times. I mean, it was kind of cool that he had, like, a little yerk pod. <laughs> <laughs> it's... That's when this book does something that a lot of Animorphs books doesn't. It has an end. Yeah. There's an ending to this. 
Yeah, the, I was, like so. What happens to Aftran? Like Aftran dies. The the group comes together and they decide to give Aftran the power to morph as long as Aftran stays in a morph. And Aftran chooses rat, obviously. Obviously, we have a rat island. Yeah, we we know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> you, listen, we could get you a friend at least. Yeah. <laughs> no, Aftran is going to be a whale. And the end of this book, they go out to the ocean and they see Aftran sort of like blow air into the air. And Cassie's like, I forget that sometimes we win one. And that's a pretty beautiful ending to Aftran's story. It's a it's it, an ending. It, it wraps up Cassie it, and Aftran's yeah. arc. It's beautiful. It's the only out for Aftran. She has no home, no place to go. And so a life on her own in the, the solitude of sea being high as balls, as we found out. Yeah. Uh, sounds pretty good. That sounds great. I'll take 10. <laughs> yeah. I want, I want to do that. You want to be a whale? <laughs> I am a whale. <laughs> no, it's like, it's, it's a nice ending. It's a happy ending for a bad person who redeemed or a bad character who redeemed themselves. I like that. Yeah. This is, this is a complete story. Yeah. The story of Aftran is done. Uh, she won. Yeah, there's a bit where they say like she could keep fighting. It's like no, she's done her part. Like let her rest. Yeah. She's she's yeah. earned it. She she had her shift at the, at the wall. Uh, Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, sure. Um, I really like this book. I like this book a lot as well. Um, I I think it it's one of those books that like Cassie had a unique and distinct character that was not her archetype. Mm-hmm. Uh, again. This constantly happens, and it's only seems to happen with Cassie books, where she has this archetype of being meek and quiet and like an animal-loving peacenik, um, but she never really repre- – like, she represents that in her, her, in her Cassie books, but that's not the overriding purpose of her life at all in these mm-hmm. books. Um, I think that with Cassie books, it's always something deeper. And with Rachel books, she's always dealing with her relationship with both violence and a bird. <laughs> In Jake books, it's always like, ah, leadership and b-ball. Uh, <laughs> but it's been less about b-ball. Yeah, the I, duality I of it. man. Um, Marco, we haven't had a Marco book in a while. Yeah, it's his is always like, my mom... Can I, Comedy. Make, can I make the rough choice, young Sheldon? <laughs> yeah, but like Cassie books are always about a fucking character, a, a, like a well-fleshed-out human being. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, and like uh, I gotta say, like if we're doing ranking of animorphs right now, um, it's Tobias Cassie. Top two. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty good, right? Because like Cassie has clear motivations; she is strong in a unique way, mm. right? And she has um, interesting motivations about why she does things. Yeah. And in this one, she's put in a situation that is uh, ant- antithetical to who she is, and I like seeing that. Oh, agreed. Travis, what do you think of this book? Yeah, I uh, didn't have it stick out to me as much from my childhood originally, but when I did my first reread right after college, um, yeah, I also remember this one feeling like it had a little bit more depth than I gave it credit for first pass. I think the first time around, it felt a little bit like all over the place and almost like scattered, right? Like you kind of got a few, every, not every, but a lot of these books have like the A plot, B plot, pretty standard storytelling, Mm -hmm. right? But this one, you do kind of have a lot going on, like, you know, the, the sickness, you got the, 
uh, the the rescue operation you got to go through. Um, you have all this character work going on. Like, yeah, it is kind of only the A plot, B plot, but it does feel like there's just a lot going on. Like, the whole uh, eel uh, operation and plan <laughs> just kind of, like, starting up and then failing halfway through, and then it's like, okay, well, on to the next thing, you know? Um, it's it's not bad. It's I actually really like the fact that there are missions in this series that not only fail, but just kind of, like, go nowhere, right? It almost makes it feel more real when it is kind of like, well, we tried that, and nothing happened, but, um... It's, it's definitely a rebuke of the tropes of this series when a mission like that just, you know, shows its entire ass and yeah, falls over. Exactly. Uh, and Go on. I, I mean, I, just, I was just going to say, for me, this book took on a lot of new resonance, resonance after this last uh, two years now. Yeah. Where it's like, I watched this book where they forced Cassie into the role of the caregiver, the doctor, the healer having to make all these decisions where people she cares about may die, where everyone around her is getting sick and dying, yet she is forced to keep working through all of this death and dying and sickness. <laughs> I wonder I wonder why that has such resonance for me, a nurse in a pandemic. Like, reading this, I was like, wow. Whether they meant it or not, this is one hell of a parallel for how healthcare givers sort of navigate everyday life, or at least how myself as a nurse and a healthcare giver sort of navigate my own existence, where it's I'm constantly being forced into a situation of intense trauma, intense sickness, just horrible fucking shit that you see week in, week out. And you just keep doing it and you do it with as much compassion as you can give, which Cassie does in this, her, like her arc in this book is, and she learns halfway through that no matter what the good outcome of this story is, the person she cares about, her patient, the one she's trying to save is going to die. And put in those situations you do what you can to give them as much grace and as much freedom and as much pain as you can alleviate as possible it's this is a really fucking good book so how many of your patients have you turned into a whale well i mean if you overload them with fluid they get pretty big (laughs) (laughs) you push so much fluid in through their veins it like piles up on their chest and they drown to death it's kind of shitty no whales don't drown yeah, but humans do if you put enough water in them. I don't know. It's it's a great book. It is. Uh, the Sickness, number 29. Thank you, everybody. Travis, any parting words? Uh, honestly, like, I know that things have been said uh, in the world that so much that it's probably lost a lot of meaning and it's kind of, like, come numb to it, but what you're just saying at the end there about what you have to go through and you and you know I have a couple other people in my life who are really close to me who are also right there dealing with patients and like 
yeah, I I don't want to say, you know, you're a hero because it's been said so much that it's lost everything. But like, honestly, man, I can't say enough how much it just blows me away that you are doing that at all. And like, I know that you are self-deprecating on this podcast a lot. I imagine just in general a lot. And I, you know, there's humor is important for making it so you can get through it. But honestly, like you are so fucking cool and I appreciate you so fucking much. And like, yeah, I don't even know what to say cause it's never going to be enough. But like, you asked me at the beginning of this podcast if I'm a religious man, and I'm not, but, like, God bless you, man. And, you know, genuinely, thank you. That means a lot to hear. And I wouldn't make it through this if I didn't have the people that I appreciate and love and respect, and that's our boys in blue. That's right. We're back in the blue now. Uh, what? And the lights. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Um, no, uh, no, no, no. Fuck oh, cops. Uh, All cops are yurks. But- wait, hold on. Wait, one's knocking at the door. Uh, yes? Oh, you want me to open her up? <laughs> Goddamn. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Officer, come right in. Travis, thank you for joining us in. I'm for time. Nate and I are back. Oh, to look, oh, it's the staff of Applebee's. We're, they brought appetizers. We're going to open her up on this end. Oh, they, they, here they come. Come on <laughs> in. Uh, we love the blue. And look, uh, Israel is coming in. Oh, look. Oh, George Floyd's here. He's back. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> the world has reached another grim milestone in the history of the coronavirus pandemic. According to figures from Johns Hopkins University, COVID-19 deaths have passed the 3 million mark. The worst hit country is the United States with more than 566,000 deaths. In Brazil, more than 368,000 people have lost their lives to the pandemic. And in Mexico, at least 211,000. They are followed by India and the United Kingdom. If you look at the European region as a whole, it accounts for the highest total number of deaths at nearly 1.1 million.